I've been good. I've been good. Good. Busy. This is, but I'm better now. I'm even better because you're on here with me. You want to do the intro? Yeah, I'll do it. Take a deep breath. Take it. Let me do my New York thing. You know New York. You need New York. You know you need unique New York. New York. Peter Piper, Peter Piper, Pickle Peppers. This one? Okay, that's a different butt. Okay. Stretches, stretch, 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 stretches, stretches. stretches. We must, we must. Did you have to do that? We must, we must, we must, we must increase our bust. Nonsense. The bigger, the better, the tighter the sweater. The boys depend on us. <laughs> yeah, right. I wanted nothing to do with that, really. And I'll start with the thing. Okay. Um, Beth, I am so glad that we are reunited here for reunited. the month of Pride and doing one of my very, very, very favorite films. Someone get hot. So to everyone out there listening who like things hot, um, you're very welcome to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast, wherever in time, space, or on the globe you are. I'm one of your co-hosts, guest hosts. I don't know what I am. You anymore. are my co-host, my partner in I crime. I am the co Partner, accomplice, that's me, Sam, and I'm here with my wonderful, delightful, erudite, intelligent, and insightful co-host, Beth. Hey, Beth. Howdy. Howdy, folks. Howdy. Hiya. <laughs> you are a wonderful man about town, Sam. Thank you. Debonair, <laughs> li- dashing. Li- likewise, I'm man, sure. <laughs> man about town. Why is that used in the movie Some Like I It? I don't know, so but I love Likewise, it. Likewise, I'm sure. I've never heard anybody say that. Likewise, I'm sure. I, we've done one Billy Wilder film, right? We did the one just after this film that he made called The Apartment and yeah. had great fun researching that. And uh, this was a first time viewing for me, first, second, and third for this episode, Some Like It Hot, released in 1959. And it was a Billy Wilder and IAO. IAL Diamond? Diamond. Diamond, Mr. Diamond, uh, one of their productions, and it went against the grain of um, every cinematic uh, barrier there there was at the time, didn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, let's see, what was the name of it? The Catholic... Uh, the League of it? Decency the or little, something? Yeah, or? the Catholic League of Decency, yes. which is now like the National <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They dropped because it. there's the bar right there. They dropped Catholic out of it, and I, I'm still Isn't trying okay. to like sort that out. Like, how in God's name did the Catholic Church decide that they wanted to be the official moral morality police of uh, American cinema? And but, they were. But it's brilliant. But the, it's brilliant because because of that decree, like, don't go see this film. It's immoral. It became a huge hit. I think it was produced for something like 2.9 million, and then in the box it got 49.3 million or something thereabouts. Huge hit. Yeah, I forget what the total has been. Uh, I saw some numbers internationally, like since it was released. I forget how much money it's it's made uh, in, in theatrical release, but a lot, a lot of a money. lot, a lot. <laughs> And um, I think it was 1989, the Library of Congress selected it as one of the first 25 films 
for preservation um, with the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. And indeed, I think it, it fits every one of those boxes. It's a tippity-top in, like, all-time great films. People that know film, uh, as far as American film goes, uh, th this is regarded as, you know, the tippity-top of that layer cake of great films yeah. since the yeah. invention of cinema, of film. Now, had you seen it before? I know everybody has seen it, and, and I'm of an age where I really should have seen it a few times by now, but I, I was reluctant. I don't know why. I was I em embarrassed to admit that I have not seen it. I'd seen clips. It's a very famous film, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners and even our younger listeners, if they haven't seen it, they've seen clips of it. If, if, you, if you're a cinephile, you've seen clips of this movie. You have. Uh, and um, I, I think I... Yeah, I think ahead. I thought it was like a screwball comedy and just too hokey, maybe. And maybe I had a misperception about Marilyn Monroe. I think I think I did. I, I for fans of this film, they're like, no, no, no. You get, you know, the Marilyn that we got sort of after this film almost parodied and and minimized or didn't give enough credit to the comedic and entertainment talent that that she was. Uh, she, she wasn't just a pretty face. No, she what wasn't. Or a shapely figure. And she figure. did by this time. I think this film was released maybe only two years or so, maybe two or three years before her untimely death. And uh, she was going through an awful lot. She's she was working with the hot-headed Billy Wilder. She was I I heard tell pregnant during the production of this. Of this film, well, and we all know these days about her her addiction issues, and of course she ultimately, unfortunately, committed suicide. Well, she I was. I don't know if that was was there a, a note, or do they think it was just a, an overdose? Because I thought it was, a, you know, with barbiturates back yeah. in the day. Um, yeah. I don't know how many of those that were probably called suicides were in. Uh, you know what I mean? Intentional overdoses. Yeah. So, so it could have been that she had tried to stop and then overdone it because that happens a lot with with overdoses when you've when you've gone on the wagon and then you try to take the same amount when you when you go back to it. She definitely suffered from depression and um, spousal abuse, abuse by the industry, and had more brains and wits about her than than people realized, and yet was always stereotyped as the dumb blonde, ditzy blonde, and really magnified that that ideal of the buxom, breathy, baby talk blonde. She was about 33 when she made this film and was married to Arthur Miller, man of letters, famous playwright, right? Was she, was she married yeah, to Arthur Miller while this was being filmed? Yes. And in fact, there was a, um, a famous kind of back and forth between Marilyn and Billy Wilder because she deferred to her acting coach and to Arthur Miller, who wanted to get his fingers into the script, and Billy Wilder, who, of course, was the auteur and did things his own way. So we nobody, should, nobody should be telling the Billy, Billly Wilder <laughs> how to make a movie. That's my opinion. No. Yeah. Now, there was this pesky thing around that time and uh, from, I don't know, early 30s until 1968 called The Hayes Code. And yes, give picture. us a brief yeah. explanation oh, of the Lord. Can I? Can I? <laughs> it was some sort of, oh, let's see, the motion picture motion picture production code or the Hayes Code out 
named after one Mr. Hayes, who took it upon himself to be the moral voice of society. Well, he was appointed, and actually. He, he, was he, a... he was appointed. And I guess during the Roaring Twenties, and, and even way before that, throughout cinema, there, there had been no constraints. And, and there was some pretty risque material out there. And the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties, you know, up until 29, there was a lot of social commentary about behavioral issues among women, particularly, how dare they, doing the Charleston and going to speakeasies. And, of course, prohibition was taking place during that time as well. Yes. And what to do. Let's crack down on booze, get rid of that. Let's create some guidelines for cinema, which apparently was exempt from the freedom of speech liberties we, we used to be able to have in this country. and <laughs> That we yeah, still have, really, damn it. That we, we still we have. We still have. And yeah. let me just, I, I wrote down some of With the Hayes Code, they objected to many things, themes, many themes, anything deemed immoral. And this included cross-dressing, uh, in some like it hot, and but also things that conformed to or, or fell under the auspices of Hayes's formula, a, horm, a formula, uh, anything that might be considered morally dangerous to society, nudity, foul language, blasphemy, oh. behavior, whatever that means, that's pretty broad. Yeah. Um, and, and on top of that, each state had a kind of moral code, some like something that might have flown in, in New York and have been fine would not necessarily make it in Kansas. So a lot of times the director's work would be chopped up to suit whichever state it was it would be shown in, and uh, and certainly that was the case with we we covered that a little bit didn't we with the grindhouse films well we ended up with a weird yeah different several different copies right so we covered actually more more so when we covered Caligula that. Uh, there were so many different copies out there because they, they what they could show in one state or one city they couldn't necessarily show in another so they would cut it and cut it and cut it so yeah um, so so um ultimately there was a a list of first 11 subjects to be avoided altogether right and then 26 <laughs> issues how they came to this 26 to be handled very carefully uh, one of them, as mentioned before, was pointed profanity and blasphemy with serious words like hell, damn, God, as in G-A-W-D, etc. Uh, nudity suggested or real, drugs, depiction of drugs, drugs drug use or drug selling, sexual perversion, which is certainly open to interpretation, venereal well, disease. I, I, I read somewhere that sec that clause, sexual perversion, almost mm -hmm. always was related to any LGBTQ type of character. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Baron BD, childbirth. Okay, <laughs> childbirth. Um, arson, theft, robbery, hangings, cruelty to animals and children. Okay, I can get on board with cruelty to animals and children, but that's the only thing. Uh, rape, people in bed together, excessive kissing. What else? What is excessive kissing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just... just Many, many. It kind of makes you wonder, though, how did Gone with the Wind get made? Who knows? But well, there was well, childbirth. There was that infamous scene, right, where he whisk, where he takes her up the rape staircase. Certainly, certainly inferred. Uh, yes, rape is inferred, and she's delighted, of course, and smitten the next day. Just, who was milk face lady in um, in Gone with the Wind? Melanie. 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 Perfect but, Melanie. 
and and he says damn doesn't he yes i don't that must have been frankly my i don't give it so shocking shocking language not to mention the depictions of of slavery i had uh listened to forget the name of the um i think it was a, a youtube uh content creator she had pointed out that there was actually some parts of the Hayes Code that were uh, very pro people of different ethnicities and races should be in there, sh- there should be more inclusion. But it yeah. is kind of funny that they stipulate in the Hayes Code no white person should ever be shown in uh, bondage or yes. quote unquote slavery. Specifically white. Yes, uh, but they specify but also, white. But, but then you have some things that sound like okay that's reasonable like no malice against any any other ethnicities any other nationalities yes. and that sort of thing so i don't know they're all over a lot of place. duplicity though a lot of duplicity yeah. in that that's why i was pointing that out like on the one hand they're like no we should there should be more roles there should be more inclusion uh yeah. in content and, uh, and these characters should be presented nobly i think the word no- noble is in yeah. the text but yeah. then at the same time, they're like, but we can never show white people being subjugated. Nope. Can't no. do that. No. Now, <laughs> now, there is one. Um, there's a oh God. What is it from? Maybe, you know, you know, that early, early uh, cinematic piece that's it's just very short in 18 something or other of a, a kind of cowboy aiming his gun at the audience oh, or at yeah. the camera and shooting. And that upset a lot of people, along with something called The Kiss in early, early days, silent days. That sex and violence combo, the Hayes Code, take aim at that. For many films, you couldn't show the per- the, the person wielding a weapon, sh- uh, shooting a gun, and that person's victim in the same frame. Mm. You could, sh- you could sh- have a, a frame with, uh, say, a man holding a, a revolver, and then his victim after he's been shot, but not during. And there was the one foot on the floor decree, like it, oh, if, the um, bed. <laughs> for the bed. <laughs> and the fact that for what the longest time, one of my favorite films, and I love this film, and it's a film I hope we get to do sometime, uh, Giant, starring yes. um, Never seen. Liz Taylor, James yeah. Dean's last role, and yeah. Rock Hudson. Oh, Rock Hudson. Yes. Those three in the it's an epic it's a george stevens film george stevens famous for directing great westerns but this was a sort of yeah. a modern western it shows rock hudson the husband liz taylor the wife in their bedroom right the master suite and they're in yes. single beds and it's, <laughs> it's hilarious to me it is but you know what as as i as i get a little, a little longer in the tooth i can appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> but no i know i know but uh yeah well, no sam's right though because yeah. young people when you do get a little older especially if you like to starfish when duvet. you're sleeping you know you just you know or if if hubs or the wifey likes to give you a dutch oven yeah sometimes you're like maybe i just want the bed to myself and yeah. i don't want to share it with your gaseousness Please stop snoring and moving. Yes. Whatever. But it's, it's not all fun and games, folks. But uh, yeah, uh, wasn't it I Love Lucy who showed a no? Wasn't who was the first to show? Because I remember they had the separate beds, but didn't they have a single bed eventually in I Love Lucy? 
Somebody stopped that. I don't know. That's a really good question. Let's pause. I want to know. Oh, the Bradys did. That's true. But that was more 70s, right? Early true, but sure. so somebody had to have break, um, broken the trend. Who? First couple. Was the first. Um, <laughs> I just wrote who's the couple? fist couple. Whoops. I wrote forced. <laughs> the forced um, TV couple. Fist couple. Who was the first couple that fisted on TV? <laughs> <laughs> Mary Kay and Johnny was the first program to show a couple sharing. I don't even know what that is. Show a couple sharing a bed and the first series to show a woman's pregnancy on television. Mary Kay became – who the hell is Mary Kay? Mary Kay became pregnant in 1948, and after unsuccessfully trying to hide her pregnancy, the producers wrote it into the show. Now, see, I thought that whole thing went with I Love Lucy. Who are you people? Who are they? Well, this is well before our time. Okay, it's 47. But apparently it's a TV show. Okay, it's a sitcom. Running uh, time 15 minutes? What? Obviously, a. it was on the Dumont Television Network. Okay. Format. Plot centered around a bank employee and his zany but not dumb wife. <laughs> well, this is the early days of television. Nobody saw this show. Nobody saw this. We need this. to look up. I've never Who heard was, of it. What was the second couple? Um, All right. So I love Lucy because that's what I'm sticking. Love. And you know, we always okay. Joke here about we go. Me TV. What? This is good. What? What's a that? brief history of couples sharing. In the same, right. Sleeping in the same what bed. What have we got there? Hold on. Mary Kay and Johnny, 1947. Yeah. That was 47. Everybody didn't have TV sets, so I discount you. And then you, just like you said, I love Lucy. <laughs> yeah. I discount and you. She got to be pregnant, too, so there was the suggestion of coitus. Wow. That's Ozzie and Harriet eventually shared a bed. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. The Flintstones. Really? Yeah. Bewitched. How cute is that? The Flintstones shared a bit. The Munsters. Green Acres. Yes. And the Brady Bunch. That's right. That, that's what we would. Wait, what was his name? Carol and. Mike Brady. Mike. Mike Brady. How could I forget Mike that? Mike Brady. Mike and Carol Brady. We've gotten way off track here, but it's okay. We, we have. We're having a good time. <laughs> We're having a good time because why did we decide to do this film? Um, well, one of the reasons is because um, it's it's just an outstanding piece of cinematic art and, and needs to be covered. But also it's our first film that we're covering for the month of June, which is also Pride Month. We also wanted to dedicate this film to our American listeners and, in fact, our international listeners, anybody dealing with any sort of discrimination and all of the laws that are beginning to silence people with uh, with viewpoints that differ from the extreme right-wing sector of our country. Well said. I agree. Okay. We we debated oh. wrongly. <laughs> you <laughs> and I. Well, no. Yeah. Last year we were talking about, well, maybe we should do something like it hot. Maybe we should do something like it hot. We were like, well, maybe it's not it enough because we're not yeah. – you know, these aren't necessarily uh, queer – queer actors these are uh although wilder we um the the writer and director was it nothing nothing really confirmed as well People, as the actors i mean lemon and curtis but there's that great speculation there's that great scene though in um in jackie brown 
where where it's a the fake interview with with Tony Curtis. Oh, that's I've got to have right. a wife. And he says, "I've got to have a wife." I've got to have a. I've got to have a woman. You know, I have, I have to have beautiful women in my. I I don't know. I I kind of think that <laughs> Tony Curtis. I, I don't know the rumors behind that. I I've heard the alleged rumors about Jack Lemmon, but I know that he was married and had kids, and at least one that we know of because she was in a movie, one of yeah. the movies we just recently did. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. No, they're not mutually exclusive, but I just. I don't think we but, we but, both have our so, own opinions. So what we're trying to say is we were wrangling with, is this a bona fide um, – Film for pride. Film for pride, yeah. Um, back in the day, of course, they'd view it through a, a different lens as, ah, yeah. oh, isn't it funny? They're dressed as women, ha, ha, ha. But it certainly does, and I think Wilder had a lot of um, prescient ideas and deeper ideas about, about this film and, and what it was portraying. He's yeah, a serious guy, you know. Was was the voice was was the voice authentic enough? And I think after watching this, it just made my heart sing. Frankly, yeah. it, it addresses everything, um, everything having to do with how, how do I say it, Beth? Um, with LGBTQ plus issues and beyond, as, as well as the male gaze, the stereotyping of women walking that mile in women's high heels, as they say, for this film, and really calling out some of the uh, some of the discrimination or, or much of the discrimination within Hollywood and American society generally. It's got everything. Um, there were things about the dialogue I missed, like the first time around, the second time around, the third yeah. time around, yeah. and the, only yeah. this evening did I pick up about the fuzzy end of the lollipop tonight, like the, the sexual in, innuendo there. Like I completely missed it. Like the first three times watching it, I'm like, oh, oh, he doesn't mean There's, that, does he? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if he did, that motherfucker's a badass. He, he <laughs> is. Wilder he is ruthless. <laughs> he, he, he is. And I know that he um, he refused to submit his his script to the Motion Picture Association. And, and have them make recommendations about what should be cut. He just wasn't going to play that at all. And probably by 59, most people were thinking the code was a bit outdated. Societal norms and taboos were changing. And um, and he made some other choices. Uh, he, let's see, for Jack Lemmon, I think they, that he considered Jerry Lewis at one point and Frank Sinatra uh, for that part. And story goes that he he wanted to meet Frank Sinatra for lunch to discuss this. Frank didn't show up. Billy Wilder really couldn't suffer fools too too gladly and said, "Well, you know, screw that. Who else can I get?" Mitzi uh, Mitzi Gaynor was going to play the part of Sugar Cane, Marilyn Monroe's uh, part, because uh, it would have been cute. It would not yeah. have been as as iconic a film as it is. Yeah, I think he yeah. needed these three to, to really. And you know what? I can't. And Frank didn't like the idea of cross-dressing. He said later on, anyhow, Jerry Lewis regretted not taking the part. He was a little bit shy or, or reluctant to do that as well. Um, a number of actors just just wouldn't take it on. It was just too risque for them. And Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon got so into it that they demanded to have the same kind of couture that was available for <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. I read that. And they wanted Ori Kelly, the costume designer, to create their wardrobes as well. 
So they were super into it. I it made me love them more. I loved them after the film, and it made me love them more. (laughs) I know they demanded it, and and apparently there's a story that Ori, I suppose, was taking their measurements uh, for their custom uh, costumes, and they did Curtis's, and they did Lemons, and they did Marilyn's, and when they got around to Marilyn. Uh, Ori said, you know what, uh, Tony's got a better ass than you do. And uh, she was not happy about that. Uh, <laughs> ripped open her white silk blouse and says, but does she, but does he have tits like this? So, um, <laughs> so I, I love all the line blurring from, from the get go. And apparently when they first tried on their makeup, it looked pretty garish and green in color. Oh, not good. And, uh, it just it just didn't look natural at all, and uh, and yeah, they're not not the most gracile and feminine uh, looking women in this, but the the color just made the contrast all the worse. And Marilyn did have in her contract, her studio contract, that all of her films were supposed to be in color, but I, I think she looked pretty darn good in black and white, and it also solved the problem for the guys in makeup who uh, hadn't quite mastered. I guess the makeup department hadn't mastered that level of correction. Wasn't that I, the case in Frankenstein, too? He was he was really in color. It was very, very green. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd read that somewhere. But uh, I think if this had been in... There's there's a... When you were talking about that he was thinking about Jerry Lewis for, for Jack Lemmon's part, yeah. Yeah. It, it's not that I don't like Jerry Lewis and it's not that he's not a comedic genius on his own he has his own style but what makes this movie so great is that they don't push it over the top with the camp they know how to be understated where they where their performances need to be understated yeah so that there's a there's an emotional depth even there's some of it like even Marilyn Marilyn Monroe when you know toward the end of the film where she's like that that silly line about the shell gas station on every corner it's yeah. it's hilarious and ridiculous and silly and stupid but at the same time you're you feel so much sympathy for her because she really did she fell in love with the the facade she was really in love with this guy so i don't know what he saw but he saw something in jack lemon that he really wanted to get hold of and of course he used him again and again and in other films, or they collaborated. They're all about 30 years old, right, the three of them? Yeah. Uh, so so Marilyn's 33, and I suppose Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon were just slightly older than that, and Billy Wilder, but all about age mates. And, and I do know that the guys, after they had, um, what was the... Uh, I mean, Sinatra, famous... would have been a, Sinatra would have been a little older. I think Danny Kaye would have been a little older. I'm, I'm you know, he just kind of targeted the right yeah. age demographic. Um, I do know also, just a point of trivia, that um, a um, an actor by the name of Vander Clyde Broadway, whose stage name was Barbette, uh, wanted to t- teach uh, both Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon, what did they call it? The Art of Feminine, what is it, Illusion? <laughs> yes. To gen- uh, teach them how to create gender, the gender of illusion, whatever. And both actors took a little bit of that, but then decided, no, 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 I I want to make this my own. And Tony Curtis decided that his character was very proper, and he channeled his mother and also Grace Kelly, and he really doesn't go overboard. He's he's very proper, and his posture is always perfect. Jack Lemmon wanted to be more athletic, so he's actually more, I don't know, 
emotionally feminine in this, but his physicality is very it's more masculine. masculine. Yeah. Yeah. And then the opposite for Tony Curtis. And it's a wonderful, wonderful when you watch them play off one another. Now, I, I got excited because I was talking to you about you know, Jack Lemon can't master the voice and that Tony Curtis had, yeah. but apparently he couldn't. They actually did dub some of his dialogue with. They, um, they did. Who's uh, that guy who did all those like, um, oh, God, those weird cartoons, Christmas cartoons? Oh, gosh. Free, you know, like Jack Frost and oh. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Brain Doat. Paul Freeze. Paul Freeze. That's right. So I, I guess Tony Curtis found that falsetto very difficult to sustain. Right. And I don't think that Jack Lemmon really tried as hard <laughs> to keep that, that upper register. It's funny. And yet he was Go ahead. smitten. He, he, he was so perfect. He, he was a girly like, girl. He was a so girly. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we loved him in a, in the apartment. I, yes. Sam and I are big Jack Lemon fans. Yes. And I liked him before, but after watching the apartment again, and now after watching this film, I'm just like, man, he's just great. He is. We, we were trying to think: is there anybody? The today? levels of greatness of his yeah. talent, his ability. He's so gifted. As a physical actor, as an as a cerebral actor, as a method actor, as just, just, he's got that range that I think is very rare. If you, and I think it. Yeah. I don't know if we have anybody like him. I don't think there. I don't think there is. And you can't even. Tom Hanks doesn't even compare because he's completely. No. Tom Hanks is leading man. Jack Lemmon is a guy that should never be. You just look at his his. His feature, he's just so common, I guess. You know, every day, he's, he's really... The, he's the every man but something, you know, he, he brings the extraordinary to, to the ordinary, to take that. Yeah, that. He, he lacks the the security, the confidence, whatever. You know, there, there's a flaw there that in that yeah. character that he's playing. You watch these two films, The Apartment and Some Like It Hot, and then watch him in Glengarry, Glen Ross, and you're, you're looking at just... He's a genius. He's amazing. He, he is a genius. I, you know what? I think the Tom Hanks people just see the superficial, <laughs> you know, Jacqueline nice guy part. Yes. And yes, yeah. the Tom. And nothing against Tom Hanks. I love him. Nice guy. But I don't know. There, there's some depth to the performances. I and I don't. You know, I'm coming to this very late in life. My realization of Jack Lemmon's body of work, and I. I think the closest thing I can think of, even though he's he's kind of uh, on the outs right now, is the work of Kevin Spacey. I don't see it, but I'll have to. I'll have to watch American Beauty Beauty again. Yeah. Yeah. Really see it there. Good film. Yeah. Yeah. So, Um, so this is also an unusual film because Billy Wilder wanted to pitch it. Uh, He and Diamond were going back and forth. They were meticulous about their writing and and what was going to end up on the screen. And they thought about setting it in the present day, but ultimately decided that they wanted to make it a period piece. So they set it during Prohibition in 1929, just before the before the crash, and also made the choice to shoot it in black and white. What happened um, with the first <laughs> preview uh, premiere audience? It was kind of a bomb, right? Well, that I didn't read that part. I didn't read that part. Yeah, it didn't go over well because people didn't understand how can you have this ex- – because it's pretty violent in the beginning, right? It's ba- basically Al Capone's uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day massacre, and, and it's pretty graphic. Yes. And uh, and the same sort of thing is happening uh, with, with – uh, instead of Al Capone, you have a guy named Spatz Columbo. Spatz Columbo. Is that his name or Columbus? 
I what the hell is a spat for? I don't understand. I think is it's supposed to, to keep your your shoes? Uh, your shoes clean and and your feet warm and dry. But but then know. he's obsessing over keeping his spats clean. So what's the it seems like extra work to me. But, but <laughs> nobody could get the idea. But but this is what held the movie together. Nobody could at first get the idea that why why would you want to have this gangster theme at the beginning and, and also at the denouement of this of this otherwise charming comedy and romance, romantic comedy. Wilder's thinking was, you know what, if it were set in present day and they didn't have a, some sort of threat against them, what's keeping them from just taking off their wigs whenever and changing back to, you know, their, their regular uniform as musicians whenever? It's the threat of being killed, a very real threat after they witnessed this, this Valentine's Day massacre. They're hiding. Yeah, I did not know what to think when the film started. I'm like, yeah. gangland, 1929. And I saw the, the hearse. That's yeah. that's how the film opens. You see the credits, very quick, quick credits, and then you see the hearse yeah. and good music. So you're like, oh, this is kind of snazzy. I like this. Yeah. And I what, knew it was what Chicago. What's a Deutsch name for the mu for the musical <laughs> score? Uh, what is it? Adolf Deutsch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> German. But I I remember seeing the the police car come behind and they're shooting. I'm like, why are they shooting at that hearse? And I'm <laughs> like, oh, I bet this is Chicago. And <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't understand even before uh, watching the film that this this is actually you know the film is actually set in the past. Well, the from, cars didn't tip you off. I, yeah, I mean it, that's what I'm, I'm like. Oh, wait a minute, I'm a little confused here because I don't yeah. only seen like maybe the boat clip and the dancing on the train clip, and you can't really tell from that. No, you can't. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Gangland Chicago, and that's exactly what it was. Chicago, 1929, or I'm like, oh okay. Let me. So they're driving with this hearse, which is a cover for um, – what is the guy's name? Mozzarella Funeral Parlor or something like Mozzarella's that. Mozzarella's Funeral Parlor. <laughs> yes, which is a, a speakeasy, you know, so uh, a cover for this, this speakeasy and, and booze is brought in and prohibition is going on. But somebody has ratted them out, so the police are on their tail and start shooting at this hearse. And then, like, how many policemen get out of that one little car? Like 15? How how many? Did you notice that? It was a lot of policemen. That that's kind of a take on physically. It, you could step back from this film and look at it like yeah. the Hayes Code started in when did the Hayes Code start? Twenty nine or thirty? Nineteen mm thirty? -hmm. I think it was revving up and then didn't really take hold till thirty three or thirty four, something like that. But I know like, that Frankenstein was pre code and Bride of Frankenstein was post code. I only bring that up because the Hayes Code objected to Frank and Dr. Frankenstein having the God complex. You you could step back and like look at the total picture. Like Wilder probably has all of this in his mind as he's writing this, you know, collaborating with I.L. Diamond. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like representative of the <laughs> the end of fun <laughs> and lawlessness and the, uh, yeah. It starts so it starts off with gangland violence. It, it's just yeah. ironic that. It, the movie, in some ways, is sort of uh, mirrors or reflects like the trajectory of motion picture in a way. Absolutely, and there are so many inside jokes, and a lot of those gangster films. What I'm, I'm thinking of, Public Enemy, and I just am not going to get and Scarface, things like that. Um, some of the casting was from uh, he actually used some of those actors from the pre-code gangster films, and uh, and you know I'm not. 
very familiar with those films, but I know a few of them. And you get a, a sense right away when you look at the mobsters in that hearse, like, I know, hey, I know that dude. <laughs> you know, he, he looks really familiar. Oh, oh, that's the guy from Scarface. Okay, great. So there are a lot of inside hits. Um, there are a lot of what ifs. Do you remember the what if scenario? Oh, no. Or the speakeasy. Right. We meet our, our main two characters, um, Joe and Jerry, right? Joe and Jerry. And, and Joe is Tony Curtis, and he's a sax player, alto sax. And Jerry is an upright bass player. And they work for this mob boss who owns this speakeasy. But one of his enemies tips the police off that this is a, a speakeasy, and it gets raided. And so Joe and Jerry take off. They take off and into the miserable-looking Chicago February, I think. They have a kind of conversation. They already seem like a married couple to me, the way they're bickering, <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? How are we going to do this? And Tony Curtis is presented as, as the ultimate ladies' man, philanderer, and Jack Lemmon's character, Jerry, is more of an anxious, pragmatic kind of guy, but kind of defers to Tony Curtis, and, and they end up losing, you know, the proverbial and literal last coat that they have in this horrible weather. It opens with that hearse being chased down by the cops and it, an important uh, plot point outside of the, the funeral parlor is, yeah. um, is it Charlie Toothpick? <laughs> is it, is is some, it Charlie Toothpick? I couldn't remember that. I think it's like Charlie Toothpick. That's his gangland name is out there talking yeah. to the chief of police. And he's like, yeah, they're in there. And he goes, just tell him you're there for grandmother's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> and he hands him an, a black armband, which was the custom at the time for our yeah. younger listeners. Uh, people, when they were in mourning, would wear a black, yeah. black armband. Just tell him you're a pallbearer. That will get you a seat close to the action. So he goes <laughs> in there. And the camera pans, and we're seeing lovely dancing girls. Tony a lot Curtis. of leg and Charleston going on. <laughs> and this is contrasted to the front. You know, the shell yeah. of the place, the funeral parlor where there's a man playing an organ, you know, funereal Very music. sedate. You know, it's, it's a classic, like, the front is very somber, and then you say the right password, and the speakeasy lets you in. And the girls dancing, and booze flowing, and the, the, the orchestra or the band. Is it an orchestra or a band? Did, did we – Orchestra. When, when, they were, when they were done, we find out they, they hadn't been paid in a few weeks, so they, they, they're – Finally getting their first check. I love the jokes. There's a this stream of jokes, right, from 1921, 29. He's like, yeah. that would yeah. be like the stock market crashing. Yeah. Or, what if and, what if um, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks got divorced? What if the stock market crashed? What if uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers leave, leave Brooklyn? <laughs> and and all all of those things happen in in 29. It, it was very, and, and very that cool. must have been really in the minds, you know, a short enough time span of that audience of 1959, looking at, looking, looking at all that. Joe, Joe plays the sax, Tony Curtis, and yeah. uh, it's it's Jack Lemon, Jack Lemon's character. Jerry sees the sees the the chief basically pulling his badge out, and he's like, "We got to get out of here." And, and yeah. they don't they don't even make a fuss. They just oh oh shit, the place is gonna get raided. Let's get the the jump on out of yeah, but it's lose... not easy to to lug a upright base around. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're pretty bull, conspicuous. Or also what known does he as call a, it? a bull base, bull fiddle, a bull fiddle. I, I had never I had never heard of that. I had before. never heard of that expression either. A bull fiddle, and uh, which sounds very masculine. So these guys are, 
you know, it looks miserable, like butt-crunchingly freezing. And and they're they're thinking, do we take the little bit of money we have to the dog tracks and try to, you know, well, bank we, on that? We learn about, like you said, the, the Jack Lemmon character, Jerry, is, is a little bit more neurotic. He's a little bit more um, cautious, I think. And then uh, we kind of learn – we learn about Tony Curtis's character that, that Joe's more of the risk taker and he's like, We're just gonna take our check because we owe so many people yeah. money. Yeah. And we're gonna put it on the dogs and that cracked me up too. He's like, My cousin yeah. knows this person that knows the person that the electrician that <laughs> makes the <laughs> rabbit go it's really funny. But we you know, Joe I take to be a Lothario and kind of a I don't yeah. wanna say creep, but yeah, kind of a he not is a great creepy. Because when he's dealing with, we'll get to her in a minute. Nellie, they they decide to go the legitimate route first. They go to this building where all of these um, firms are for musicians, right? Yeah. And I think there's a dig at somebody important there, and I can't remember who it is. The American Musicians Agency or something like that. Uh, but there's no work for anybody. They, they they go door to door. Any gigs? Nope. Any gigs? And so Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon walk into this one office where there's a lady who's I'd say in her early 40s, and Joe really sweet talks her, and you you realize right away way that they've had a a physical relationship. Nellie and and she said you didn't show up for the last thing and i had my hair marcelled and everything and i had to pause the movie right there what is that what the hell do you mean what do you mean you had your hair marcelled marcel marcel if you can think of that that marcel, marcel marcel i had a mime do my hair left but if you think of the 20s and that sort of set wave okay that that a lot of the women i guess it's some sort of curling iron mechanism but <laughs> but more sophisticated apparently a whole crew of but d- done by a mime <laughs> But done by him. <laughs> I had my Uh-oh. hair marcelled. I must work that into a conversation. <laughs> uh, but uh, she agrees to uh, to loan them her car, which is in a parking garage. Well, right? it's, and I can't yeah. remember where they're supposed to go in this car. Where yeah, but don't don't get too far ahead because they. Okay. She, we find out that like she had made him pizza. She got a new negligee. I thought that was pretty racy. Like negligee yeah. implies they're they've yeah. been doing the nasty. Yeah. So, uh, but he didn't show. So she decides she's going to get even. She's like, "Come to think of it, we do have something. <laughs> we That's do right. have a job that we need a, a a bass fiddle, and we we definitely need a sax player. We see there's the inside joke with Polyakov, right? The owner of the agency, yeah. and there's there's yes. uh, Sweet Sue or Su- <laughs> what is her name? Yes, Sweet Sue and Mr. Beanstalk. Beanstalk, and they're in there and they're fretting about replacing their their bass player and their sax player. Wait, what is? We've got to get the name right because it's Sweet Sue and her syncopator. Oh, <laughs> and her lady syncopator. What what is the dance? Oh wait, let me um. Oh, Sweet Society Syncopators. That's what it is. Okay, Sweet Society Syncopators. Right. And they specifically need, and, and they're off to Florida soon for a big gig, and they're lacking a, a, a bull fiddle bull player fiddle and, a, and an the, alto saxophonist. Yes. They walk <laughs> and at first, Tony Coat, they poo-poo at that at first, right? Like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Well, we're no, no. For money, but not. They, they, they're because she sells it to him. She's like, all expenses paid, six weeks in Miami, and they're like, yes. And so they go Florida, in there, yeah. and the, the dialogue is great. It's just this banter, 
and he's like, you got the right instruments, the wrong shape. And they're like, what? <laughs> the back and forth. And and yeah. they're like, wait a minute, a, a woman's band. And and of yeah. course, I love that uh, Jack Lemmon, uh, the Jerry's like, we we can dye our hair, we can do this, we can. <laughs> yeah. Um, when that uh, one uh, thing where we had to play gypsies, we put earrings in our ear. We well, we can That's do anything, right. yeah. But he's uh, he's like, no, there's a there's a a university thing in Urbana that'll pay you twelve bucks. And that's what he takes instead. Yeah. That's or because Jerry defers to to Joseph or to always. Or to, always. to Joe always yeah. defers to him. So they don't take that. He wasn't going to offer it to them anyway. And that's when that's when Joe goes out and he starts sweet talking Nellie about hey you know and he's yeah. <laughs> whispering in yeah. her ear and she, any plans tonight? Yeah. He talks her into giving. Well, he kind of finagles his way into her car. He's he does. He sweet talks her and she totally melts for him. And and he is a good looking guy and a charmer. And you see Jack Lemon's character, Jerry's just sort of rolling his eyes like, really, are you doing this again? And they really are like a, a married couple with with Joe stepping out on them at all I, times. I love the rep- repetition of the the, the quotes because. It's like, yeah. isn't he? Isn't she a bit of terrific? And then he goes, isn't he a bit of terrific? And he's rolling his eyes like he's working her again. And I do know Balder tried to get some of the phrasing that was all the rage in the 20s. Yeah. So he did try to inject some authenticity in, in some of the colloquialisms. They're downtown. They're going to the garage. It says Charlie. Yeah. Charlie's garage. I'm like, is that toothpick Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a pretty shocking scene. Isn't it is it? shocking. It is shocking. They're just going to get Nellie's car to drive to Urbana yeah. for 12 bucks, Yeah, which I guess yeah. was a lot of money for them. But I, I noticed something about this scene that really kind of stuck with me that That's I maybe right. didn't pick up the first time. I was just wondering what your impressions of the this whole scene were in the garage. My impression was um, – well, I was shocked. I, I, I had never seen the movie, so I had this idea of the romantic comedy screwball, whatever, <laughs> and I didn't know about the gangster aspect. And, yeah, you could imply something, but uh, basically Spats Columbo and his men line up their enemies against the wall, sort of Nazi style, and just plow them down with a machine gun. It's really bloody. It's very upsetting. Yeah, It's not funny. So I can imagine a test audience saying, wait a minute, is this supposed to be a comedy? Because that's jarring, and that's not too long ago. The thing that really struck me is that there's the guy pumping the gas, yeah. and he notices him, and he's like, you come over here. And I thought, yeah. when I watched it the second time, Sam, I'm like, he doesn't shoot him, does he? And I was like, yeah, he gunned him down too. He's just an innocent yeah. bystander. No witnesses allowed. Yeah. And, of course, that's when, when Spatz steps out, and, he, and he's very Al Capone-like. He's short in stature, and he's got the – I don't know. He's somewhere between Al Capone and Michael Corleone in his bearing and and he sees the two musicians he sees joe and jerry they know you know they're they're really going to be taken down so they take off yeah they take off luckily uh and, charlie toothpick is he, he's not dead yet and he tries to reach up and get the phone and that that sort of uh distracts him enough to where they can get away yeah it buys him a little time and i i think then we get the do we get a, a direct scene cut to the two guys walking in full yeah that we get it up and they're they're no not yet they're in the street 
and then they duck into a smoke shop, and that's when he calls, and then he puts on that voice. That's Hello. right. <laughs> <laughs> We're from the cons- Mr. what kind of conservative? Yes. I can't even do it. But uh, I can't do a falsetto, what? and I'm a woman. Where were we? I got my no tie, so I don't have the stuff to make a my tie. What yeah. is a no tie? Just rum? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> just rum, rum and pineapple juice. Well, that'll do. That'll mm-hmm. do in a pinch. We cut to outside the train station, right? <laughs> and what I what I've read somewhere is uh, there's there's kind of an announcement of the different stations where the train's going to uh, stop. Like we're going to stop here, 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 and end up in Miami. And word has it that that was Jack Warner over the uh, over the broadcast. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. So so that's pretty cool. And it's uh, it's very atmospheric and beautifully noir looking there. That I think at that train station with the steam coming out from underneath. And here we get Marilyn brushing past them. Marilyn Monroe, our sugar cane character. And I think this is really important the way she's presented because she's presented with the male gaze and these two guys are about to go on a journey of education, (laughs) right? An educational journey. Let me put it that way about what it means to be in a woman's shoes. So from the get go, they just look at her from sort of the bum down, right? Yes, they do. Look at her walk. Look at her walk. And, and I think they're also startled, like, how can you walk so gracefully in those shoes? Jerry, Jerry goes, it's like Jello on Springs, which apparently <laughs> uh, desirable there. I, I, let's bring that back. Tony Curtis's drag is a little bit more convincing than than yeah. Jack Lemmon's, which I find ironic considering how how the yeah. film progresses. And I think he was a stickler, Tony Curtis. He wanted his <laughs> wardrobe to look really good and classy, you know. Upscale. And Jerry, Jerry just is not good at walking in the heels. You know, he's kind of plodding along. No. And uh, at, at first, yes. at first, at first, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, they they see Marilyn Monroe, Sugar Cane, just kind of walk, and she stumbles. Jack Lemmon is just like, oh, you know, oh my God, will you look at that? But then he freaks out, yeah. right? He's like. It's yeah. a totally different – it's we're never going to pass. We're never going to pass. It's not going to happen. They get up to Beanstalk. <laughs> and, and Sweet Sue, and sweet who's Sue. not so sweet, by the way. <laughs> so where have you played before? The Sheboygan Conservatory <laughs> for three years. <laughs> and, and they're mightily impressed, and they're also in a bind. They really need that bassist and sax player. I love that before they get up there – they're like Josephine and Geraldine. Josephine and Geraldine. Yes. And <laughs> Jerry Kurt, hates that name. He hates it. But it's it's hilarious like because he's he's the one that came up with them. It's like Josephine and Geraldine. They get introduced, yeah. and he's like Josephine, and <laughs> or Tony Curtis <laughs> is like Josephine instead of saying Geraldine. He goes Daphne. <laughs> yes. So he he takes to it immediately. He knows who he wants to be. The look he on doesn't want to be Geraldine. The look on Tony Curtis's face when he's blurts out Daphne is <laughs> just priceless. Like what? But, but there's something there that's significant, I think, because Joe Josephine. Okay, there's a natural, you know, name swap, and Jerry Geraldine. But no, Jerry says Daphne. This is my new identity, he, leaving Jerry behind. Yeah, he really 
immediately you're like, wait a second, he's yeah. completely adopting this this new identity, and, and, that's, and he's positively giddy. He's he's <laughs> loving it, and he stumbles trying to get on the or she stumbles trying to get on the train. Beanstalk reaches over and she goes fresh, and. <laughs> Fresh. And wait, that likewise, I'm sure thing comes in there. I don't understand this phrase. <laughs> what, is, is, what is it? It's nice that? to meet you. Likewise, I'm sure. Oh, God. They get assigned their But birth. the way he says it is like, that's a woman's line. Likewise, I'm sure. Men don't say that. that, that that's true. So, yeah, they're, they're all dressed, and, and now they're getting on the train for Sweet Sue and her Society of Syncopators. You know what? I've never heard of this idea. So it, I, I wonder, as as far as history goes, do do we have these all women orchestras oh, that were all the rage? I'm sure. I'm sure okay. it was you know a, a gimmick selling point, yeah. perhaps. They make the trek through the the car right where they're all yeah. all yeah. the girls are there, and you know Beanstalk's like. They're conservatory girls, so we better tell them the other girls watch to your watch language their language and be ladies around these two. The irony there, right? <laughs> and they they to, have to be on their best behavior. They get to the back of the car, and Jack Lemmon's character, you know, uh, Jerry's like, "Oh my God, you know, this is. I had a dream once. I had a dream once where I woke up in a in a pastry shop, and there were jelly rolls, and which is uh, sl- sl- was story I read somewhere Storyville slang for uh, yeah." parts of uh, female anatomy um oh yeah and cherry tarts and yeah there's so there's a that's that, that one be, i can see okay yeah. <laughs> so a lot of that is suggest suggestive and yeah. and uh joe goes you're on a diet we're on a diet we we can't yes. do this and and, and, he, and then the the i'm a girl i'm a girl i'm a girl he, they keep having to reinforce that by saying it aloud i'm a girl i'm a girl they're looking at these leggy girls and lovely ladies everybody's a boy or a girl by the way in this we, we don't deal with language like man woman male yeah. female but boys and girls boys and girls which i thought was interesting yeah i yeah. think it is kind of interesting I, almost like let's just keep it simple you know back yeah. to when we were children <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're overthinking the whole gender thing too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh so so yeah, legs of plenty, uh Jerry and you'd think that Tony Curtis would be the one since he's the philanderer in that in that duo. But it's really Jerry who who thinks he's died and gone to heaven. And Tony Curtis has just transformed into this very proper lady. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I it, it, I did find almost that almost prissy. I did find that the Lothario that was in the office putting one over on Nelly to to, yeah. to get the better of her to to use her basically that he all of a sudden yeah. is very demure, very composed, reserved, proper, proper ladylike, and and he's and having tem- to restrain Jerry who's, yeah. who's going bonkers there. But is he going bonkers? That's the other thing I wonder about. <laughs> I don't know because Does, he's really happy and he's very upset because there's a little bit of holding back, right? Like like uh, Geraldine slash Joe is holding uh, Jerry back. Jerry slash Daphne. I think we should go with their female names. Yeah, we should. For just for clarity's sake, undoes one of her breasts. What does he say? He said he says something like, "You you just upset one of my bosoms." Yeah, and, something uh, like bosoms that. He's supposed to. You tore it. Um, you tore my bosom. This is disastrous. <laughs> it's catastrophic. So they go to the ladies' room. First, they try to go to the gents' room, which is inter- like they automatically 
head for the door that says gents. And then they think, oh, wait, we have to go into the ladies' room. Is that where they discover? Yes, that's where they discover sugar cane. Sugar cane. She has a flask. It's prohibition. And also, this is a clean operation. Sweet Sue will have no drinking and carrying on. And she's already had a couple of strikes against her. She's been caught drinking a couple of times, and they're going to throw her off the train if she gets caught again. Daphne and Josephine are smitten with sugar cane from, from the get-go. She says, oh, I can quit anytime I want, but I don't want to, <laughs> or I like it too much, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is, there is like sort of uh, also the reference to vice, these vices. Um, yeah. And uh, unemployed. I was... I was reading uh, some article. I don't know if it was the it might have, it might have been Mental Floss, but um, something about that. This film really has everything Co covers yeah. every social issue. <laughs> unemployment. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty pretty clever. And Crime, unemployment, addiction, yeah. <laughs> identity, just haves and have not everything, and music. But we and, learned... and by the way, some like it hot refers to a musical colloquialism of the time hot jazz was very different from straight jazz that's something i didn't know before before watching this movie and looking up a few things they catch her but but then somehow there's an impromptu practice session right yes and and these guys can jam right josephine and daphne they they know their instruments they've been playing in these <laughs> except that sweet sue <laughs> sweet sue is like you sax player you know step it up a yeah. little bit we're, we're yeah i forget what she's yeah saying. they're they're just going very slowly. They're not. They're not pulling it out until Sweet Sue says, "Come on," and then they they go right in. And she raises an eyebrow, like, "Well, holy shit, did we luck out? These guys are good. These ladies are good." <laughs> now we should point out that this is the first of three songs that Marilyn Monroe does in the film. Oh, and yeah. this is not Dub. This is Marilyn Monroe delivering these yes. songs. And the first, it, it's a fam the famous train clip of Running Wild. She's doing the song Running yeah. Wild. Her instrument, by the way, is the ukulele, and speculation was they picked a small instrument so that it would not obscure her bosom. Yes. Not that you could, really, but yeah, yeah. They wanted to accentuate her figure. Yeah, yes. But she... And, and I guess if you look at the, the ukulele sitting upright, that's the same as the bass, and yeah, the it, curves. It's beautifully shot. Charles Lang, I think, had also collaborated with uh, with Billy Wilder on other films, but a yeah. very well-known um, director of photography. Beautifully shot yes. scene. I she, love his his uh, his cinematography, and also we should mention Arthur P. Schmidt, who did the editing. Just wonderful choices. Yes, and she's magnetic. She's wonderful in this scene. She is, and I thought I was, I don't know what, impervious to her charms. Like it was too stereotyped, but I have to say I get it now. I get it. What movie did I see? I saw The Seven Year Itch. I wasn't really take, yeah. taken with that film, The Seven Year Itch. Same. Yeah, and that was Billy Wilder too, but I just maybe it was I wasn't ready for it. I'll have to go back and look at it. She makes an appearance in All About Eve, which I thought was rather uh, charming, and she was very funny in that. And I did. I have not seen The Misfits, which was her. The last complete film she did with um, – it was the last film Arthur she Miller. and Clark Gable had done. And they and also Arthur Miller, I believe, uh, penned the screenplay for that one. I'm with you. I, I see it now. Yeah. And um, so they're, they're going, you know, gangbusters, no pun, 
And uh, after the song is finished, grand finale, uh, Sugar Cane had tucked her little flask into her garter, like you do, you know, and um, it <laughs> falls out and onto the floor, and there's a collective gasp because Sweet Sue will have none of that. And it's obviously Sugar Cane's, and they begin to dress her down and say, you know, Kansas City, you're 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 off the train, you're out. You you can see uh, Josephine and Daphne just feeling for her. And I think it's Daphne, isn't it? It's, it's Daphne. She's it's Daphne who says, Mr. Oh, Beanstalk, oh, thank you. May I have my <laughs> Yes. But since these ladies are from the conservatory, you know, they're, gonna, they're just given a gentle slap on the wrist. And, and they need them, too. Well, I, I, yeah. I think they kind of needed sugar, too, because she's sort of the front of the band. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's the calling card. So fast friends, and they're bonded through their um, through their secret vice or knowledge of the vice. And everyone is assigned. This is fascinating to me. The berths, the sleeping train arrangement. We have sort of bunk beds, you know, head to tail, the head to tail, the head to tail. They're each assigned a, a, a berth. And how do how is it how does it happen that that we end up with some sort of homosocial slumber party up in Daphne's little <laughs> tiny space well, on the top bunk. I love that. I love the camera. They're they're all getting ready for bed, and yeah. I. This is where, after watching this film the, the third time, I do think that Daphne is starting to, even though she's ogling the women, she's thoroughly enjoying being being a girl, <laughs> or yeah. being a girl in their company and being treated as they would treat one of their yes. own. And yes. she's saying goodnight to everybody. She's up in the top first. Goodnight, good Hortense. Goodnight, good Sugar. Night, <laughs> Janice. Night, night. You know, just, and Tony Curtis is just playing, you know, the demure, get to bed. And he takes the ladder away, actually, because he's worried about Jerry getting too involved. And, and to, so, to, you know, Josephine's on the bottom bunk of this berth and, and Jerry or Daphne. He's like, what if I have, top. you know, what Daphne. Daphne's like, what if I have to go to the bathroom or need a glass of water? And, he's... and also that's somewhat feminized, like these needs that he suddenly has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if I have to go? Good night, oh. sugar. Good night, oh, honey. Hi, honey. <laughs> Did you hear that? She called me honey. It's just so funny. And the, even yeah. the 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 angles, though, as um, Josephine is, is standing in front of Daphne are sort of uh, romantic. Like yeah. at one point their faces are so close. I'm like, is is she gonna kiss her goodnight? <laughs> it's really intimate. Some of the stuff, and we can talk about how they tried to do a. There, there was a, there were a couple of stage productions based on this that I just think you can't get the intimacy that that you get in this film with those close shots on the train and on the later on the yacht that we'll get into. But so yeah. Josephine is worried about Daphne getting up in the middle of the night and visiting Sugar, but what happens is Sugar comes and visited, visits Daphne. Now, what's the pretense? I can't remember why. I think she, she just wanted to tell her thank you. She just climbs up in the bunk. Oh, that's right. Just, thanks for covering for me. Yeah, thanks for covering for me. <laughs> and and Daphne's suffering a little bit. Like, all right, they're in bed, and she looks adorable, and she she wants to snuggle down. <laughs> You know, she goes, oh, your feet are so cold. Oh, you're trembling. Let me girl, warm you. <laughs> you're what? I'm a very sick girl. <laughs> That's right. So then uh, uh, I think that it's um, that it's Sugarcane who's not feeling a little well. And 
And so Daphne says, what you need is a shot of bourbon. That'll clear that right up. And so here begins the the slumber party yes. part of the part of the film. I don't know how you get that many people into a birth that is basically the the length and breadth of a a single bed. It's it's a sight gag that she's yeah. she goes and leans over to get the the bottle of bourbon, kind of falls, climbs back up there, yeah. brings the bottle of bourbon up there, and um, she jokes about surprising like a surprise party and and sugar cane's like what kind of surprise and she goes well well let's have a drink first and <laughs> have another one it's gonna be a big surprise <laughs> and um uh, and then I, I think we might be confusing people with the pronouns when we when yeah we say it is she confusing she, but, but um um daphne i just think is, of is, daphne as she <laughs> but i do i do too the trombone player I forget her name. She she comes in. She yeah. goes, hey, is this a private party or can I join? Yeah. <laughs> and in starts the parade of and, – and you can see them circulating down the car going, there's a yes. party in yes. 7A. There's a party in 7A. <laughs> Someone's going to bring and cheese and crackers. They all pile in there. I know. Who has cheese and crackers? Who has a corkster? Uh, candy or sugar cane says we need ice. We need ice. Vermouth. And, um, we can have Manhattans. Is that, is that a douche bag? I don't know what they're putting the bourbon in. That's but, that's a water bottle, hot water bottle. Oh, okay, because yeah. it looks like an old fashioned. Okay, um, yeah. So there's a block of ice, and this is a, a kind of a heartbreaking scene. It is because because yeah. f- finally Josephine wakes up to the all the mm-hmm. the ruckus, mm-hmm. and she's trying to like pull Daphne out. <laughs> <laughs> Daphne, oh Daphne! And Jack Lemon's head pops out. He goes, "I didn't do this. I I did not start this. I, none of this is my fault." Yeah. And then Sugar Cane pops out, and hands <laughs> hands Josephine, Tony Curtis, a big block of ice. And he just yes. the look on his face is like, "What am I doing, holding a block of ice?" And she goes, "Come on!" Yeah. So he he follows her. Josephine follows her back to the bathroom. Yeah. So yeah. we can keep everybody's pronouns kind of sorted yeah. <laughs> um, because they're, they're living two pronouns at once, basically. Yes, they um, are. Yeah, it's a sad conversation. Yeah, so it's a big block. She has to get ice cubes out of it to, to make a long – and so she's chipping away at this big block. But she's also giving Josephine her life story, which is pretty sad, right? She always falls for, of all people, sa- alto sax players, which is what Joseph would – you know, Tony Curtis's character is the philandering sax player, and that's her weakness, her special weakness. I don't know if he feels remorse yet, but he sees that he is that person yes, that makes this see. person unhappy, that always runs out on her. She points out, like, all the, 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 the horrible things that are done to her dating these horrible saxophone players, and there's that – it it is sort of like that wave of yeah. acknowledgement yeah. comes across. They take my money and leave the toothpaste half squeezed out and take off out the window, and they, yet I fall for it again and again. I must be such an airhead. Yeah, she said she. I'm dumb, you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not smart. It's very self-deprecating, and I I think he feels for her. Like you're not dumb, but you're. That's who you've been painted to be, and and your own. You're taking on that identity. Okay, I mean it's not overtly stated but i mean volumes are spoken in tony curtis's eyes i think that's some great acting there i thought that was great acting she josephine becomes 
very it, she sort of is very nurturing and yeah. you know compassionate yeah uh, ear to bend and yeah. I, and for for joe it's sort of that acknowledgement of what a heel he has been to all yeah. these women she is painting him a portrait of him and she also gives him some invaluable information that he's going to act on. She says, my ideal, because apparently Florida is lousy with millionaire, bachelor millionaires <laughs> looking for, <laughs> for people to marry. And uh, she says she wants somebody with glasses because that indicates intelligence. And looking he would read the Wall Street calm. Journal. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody who's not, what, what's her laundry list? I can't remember quite. Well, she wants to marry a millionaire. That's right. And uh, one that wears glasses because, you know, the glasses mean you're sensitive. And they spend all that <laughs> their time. Uh, I, I love that that cliche. <laughs> I, I think that's just it. Rich and sensitive yeah. and gentle yeah. wears glasses. Yeah. And, and isn't handsy and, and forward because that's right. important for the character. that we'll... it, it is. It is. Josephine reassures her. Well, yeah. you're you are going to marry uh, meet a millionaire. You're going to find that person. I know you are, and he does know. She. I, I think this is formulating already well, see, in the, his mind. At the time, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But, but then, yeah. it. Yeah. It's Second very viewing, I thought, well, does Josephine know that's going to be the gambit later or not? I don't know. Mm, yeah, because the glasses go. The glasses go missing early. <laughs> they, they do. They arrive with Beanstalk, yeah. who's Sweet Sue's manager, the, or the manager, yeah. or the financial, or I don't know what. Her her right hand uh, loses his glasses, which I think would be a crisis, by the way, <laughs> if you if you really it's, can't see. Bef before we get to the hotel, though, it is pretty funny because the, the trombone player, who I cannot remember her name, she comes in to get the ice. And yeah. it, it is great timing, too, uh, just physically watching this. And yeah. because Josephine goes, oh, how about us? A couple of drinks for us. So they're sitting there drinking uh, Manhattans out of these tiny little Dixie cups or whatever. Yeah. And there's the and joke. It's getting about, very intimate. It could be a kiss moment without that. Well, the, yeah. And and there's the uh, the party up in the berth, and yeah. she brings the ice back. And somebody, they're they're joking around, gonna pour ice on. Let me put ice down your back. Oh, and and then they they realize, oh, Daphne's ticklish, and then they start tickling Daphne, and yeah. she starts she he starts freaking out, and then psychag yeah psychag yeah, psych from earlier. Don't pull that. That's the emergency brake. So Daphne pulls the emergency brake because she's getting tickled. screeching to a halt. Does that really happen? I don't know. Well, at that point though. Flip. You do get that cut to Josephine and Sugar. Josephine kind of falls forward into into Sugar's breasts. Yes. <laughs> In this like abrupt <laughs> embrace there, because yes, breaks one. Yes, but but he's th what what is our word thunderstruck? He's, he's yeah. thunderstruck. Thunderbolts. Thunderbolted. Got the thunderbolts. thunderbolts. He's got thunderbolts. And I think, and then Sweet Sue comes out and uh, and demands, "What's happening here?" And I guess everyone scrambles back. Yeah. There. By the time they're they're, they're up, and it's so funny because before the evening starts and they're all you know getting ready for bed, she's she's like, "I don't I don't know about those two girls." And Beanstalk's like, "I'm going to keep my eye on them." But by the time they get up, like all the girls are back in bed. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So never happened. Never happened. Good girls, one and all. Suddenly we're in Florida, and I'm I'm not sure. 
we, you're still in Florida, and I grew up there. And I'm thinking it looks maybe like looks, Florida. Looks kind of like Florida. I see palm trees and the beach. And is that the Atlantic? I don't know. And uh, it's supposed to be Miami. Maybe, yeah, but it's so I was it's, looking for anything that might be familiar, even though I realized back then you know, things were a little wilder. It was actually shot at the Hotel Del Coronado, which is in yeah. San Diego. It's a very famous old hotel, and it's still there. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of national, the historic registry or whatever. But I did, I forgot to tell you this. Donna had stayed there once before. <gasps> really? Yeah. Okay. Years and years before we even met. Very cool. Yeah, she actually has. Stayed. I think some other famous movies and also famous writers have stayed there. Oh, you know, um, Wizard of Oz was, or, or some of the books for the Wizard of Oz were written there and uh, just has a, a great history. And does it still exist? I don't know. It's it's still there. Yeah, it's, it's still oh, there. Neat. As a Floridian, though, I was like, OK, so they filmed it there, but there has to be a hotel maybe they're basing it on. And I, so yeah. I looked up. And I was like, the Biltmore? No. Fountain Blue yeah. was much later. Has to be, I would think, uh, the Royal Palm, which Ooh. was built by Henry Flagler himself. It was a, the okay. the first I'm luxury hotel. Royal Palm. Royal Palm. Okay. It was the first luxury hotel in Miami. It was actually built on the north shore of the Miami River. However, it's not there any longer, and yeah. uh, a lot of it got blown down during the Hurricane of '26, and I hmm. think. A lot of it was uh, also subsequent, like just a few years later, had it was all wood. So yeah. that's what made me think hotel. That's got to be what it is. But I was looking at the pictures, and it was a beautiful hotel. But the Coronado is very um, Victorian, yeah, in or Edwardian or whatever in terms of yeah. its decor. Oh my God! By the way, I'm looking at a Royal Palm Hotel, an old photo of this huge swimming pool in the center of this. This yeah. establishment. Wow. Most of the the original luxury hotels in Miami, the deco influence and the sort of that Venetian influence was, yeah, was really prevalent early on. So even the Royal Palm doesn't quite resemble the Coronado. The Coronado has a really distinct yeah. look. If you're on the East Coast, though, and you want to see something that looks very much like the Coronado. If you go to Georgia, there's a hotel called um, – if you were ever on the East Coast, if you go to Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia, the Jekyll Island Resort – it's called the resort now. When uh, when Donna and I stayed there, it was called the Jekyll Island Inn, and it was actually run yeah. by the state of Georgia. I think now it's private. Yeah. Incredible, incredible oh property. But the, the Island decor is very similar. In Georgia. Oh, really – Beautiful place. Oh, my God. I see almost a tower, a turret or something here. Um, is that the right one? Uh, a kind of circular tower. and uh, Right, but do you have like the big circular verandas and the white yeah. clabbered and uh, the big eaves? That's, that's and, it. And here's a big field where you'd play your croquet, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but they call it the – what do they call it? The Seminole Ritz. Yeah, the Seminole we, we Ritz is. Was there a Seminole Ritz together? Okay, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so because I looked that up and got the Coronado reference. We approach the building itself, and there's a whole line of older gentlemen in rocking chairs. They're all reading the Wall Street Journal, and we presume they're all these bachelor 
millionaires that are that are just waiting in Florida to get married to somebody. All right. And that's where we meet. Uh, what's his name? Osborne. Osborne. Osgood Fielding the Third, which I thought Osgood was Osgood Fe- there. I I was wondering if that was a a little because we do get the the jab at um, Cary Grant with the accent when Tony yes. Curtis Curtis kind of like does a parody of of his accent, but yeah. Osgood Fielding the Third. I'm like, where have I heard a name that sounds like that? Ludlow Ogden Smith, who was oh. the first husband, <laughs> the first husband of Catherine Hepburn, and there have been like rumors about Catherine Hepburn and um. You know, first we were supposed to think that Catherine Hepburn, I guess, and Spencer Tracy were a couple, and yeah. uh, but it's come out that they were probably paired together. With, they were very close friends, but that they both um, preferred the company so, of the same-sex company so, romantically, so bearding one another and covering. But I thought Osgood Fielding the Third, Ogden uh, Ludlow Ogden Smith. It just reminded me of that. Oh. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if Billy Wilder was like, yeah. Let's just he must have bit. cast him for a reason. And, and he and his the own name, right the was, name was quite a just force. Something. Yeah, it, it is. And he sees Daphne, and he's got thunderbolts. He just he immediately adores Daphne. And the more Daphne abuses him, because she'll have none of it, he, yeah. he sort of pinches her, and she says, fresh, and may I escort you? No. And just you know refuses every advance, and every time she refuses, he's more and more smitten with her. He's just you know, head over heels. And he's this sort of mama's boy, has been married many times. I can't remember. Can oh, I you? forget how many times. Like like too many times, and nothing works out ever. And we do wonder why at the end. And none of these women worked out. But there, there's some inside jokes here. He's like, oh, I've always been fascinated by people in, in entertainment. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his last wife was a contortionist. Mama yeah. didn't like her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why'd you break up? Oh, she smoked. <laughs> That's the, the laughing <laughs> line. You know, it doesn't matter that she was with the circus. or. What, and by the way, that's another inside joke. He, uh, as a young man, ran away, literally ran away to the circus and was with an acrobatic troupe within the circus. Yeah. And I do like the joke between Josephine and Sugar because as, they, as they're as they walking up the steps into the hotel, she goes, not a one under 75. <laughs> and he said, don't you worry. Maybe they brought their grandsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's also a, a lot of sight gagging going on about who's going to carry the, all of this cumbersome luggage. And, and first, I think Daphne's stuck with it, and then Osgood saves her, or somebody saves her. Yeah, Daphne hands all the – he goes, let me help you with that pe- with that instrument or that a piece of luggage. And she, she says, oh, thank you, and she hands him all of it. All of it, and is very happy with her purse, just her purse. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, as and he doesn't care. With his smith. With every scene, Daphne is becoming more Daphne and less yeah. less Jerry. Yes. <laughs> and I don't see – I do not see Jack Lemmon there anymore. No, you see he Daphne. begins to fade. Yeah. Now, I think I always see Turn- Tony Curtis, but Jack Lemmon begins to fade for me. It's brilliant. So they go up into their room, and it's a very nicely appointed, very Florida kind of room. And the boy, bellboy hits on – jo- Josephine, and this is somebody who's – barely able to grow up any facial hair. I think this awful little short um, forward boy decides he, he wants Josephine. I do and, like that scene, though, because he's just so forward. Yeah. She tries to gently rebuff him, and he's he's just, no, I'll be here. 
after I get yeah. off, I got a bottle of gin and get <laughs> lose your roommate. <laughs> lose your yeah. roommate. Does a little finger he, guns. Goes he's out. so cocky and flips his little, you know, fez hat or whatever, bellhop hat, you know. But and, I, I do think I, that the, the so presumptuous, you know. Yes, yes. So um, I, I do like that they're getting a lot of attention as non, you know, not conventionally beautiful women, right? Just something about them is, it, you know, now that they're women. It's fair play, but you're also seeing a lot of things, or they're getting to see a lot of things that women simply endure, like the pinches on the bum or uh, solicitations that are unwanted. So, and, yeah, the solicitation that's unwanted. Uh, Daphne gets pinched on the bum by Osgood. That's why we see the elevator come right back down. Yes. And she's indignant, you know, never again, and he's just like, sowie. That makes no, she slaps him, and he looks just, just like love lost now. He's just, you know, yeah. She slapped me, <laughs> and she's complaining when she, you know, she Daphne is complaining as she yeah. goes in there. These men, the way they act, and and Josephine's like, that's you know anything in a skirt, basically. Yeah. He would yeah. do, and and they're starting. <laughs> it's funny that he he says that because he's starting yeah. to. It's just back in his face again. Like it what, is. What he, he, he understands is. what he was. And I, I think also Daphne, uh, who was never comfortable. I, I, think, I don't think that, that Jerry was a womanizer. He was just sort of in this rut in the 20s with his, with his philandering friend. They're um, out at the beach. At the beach scene. <laughs> this is delightful. We're going to go swimming. So I'm very worried for Daphne at this point because I'm thinking, how form-fitting is this swimsuit going to be? And uh, But I, I'd forgotten, okay, it's in the 20s, so there, there's a lot of material there going on. Well, at, and apparently, at, at some point before they're getting to their rooms, we find out from Beanstalk is, is missing his uh, glasses. Yes. And then we find he's, out because he, he pops into their room after the yeah. bellhop goes in there. And says, yeah. uh, have you seen my suitcase? It's a suitcase with a white stripe. Yeah. And nope, nope, haven't seen it. And uh, Sugar comes in and she's like, has anyone seen my, my ukulele? And and, yeah. it's, and Daphne's like, oh, no, it's right here. And yeah. Daphne's like, well, we, we don't know anything about a missing suitcase. And he and, takes And, and off. you see Josephine just discreetly shove it under the bed. <laughs> the whole thing. So sugar I was invites, wondering about that. I didn't know what was up. Yeah, sugar invites them to go down swimming, and Josephine is like, "No, I'm just going to take a hot bath." Josephine is shocked when Daphne says, "Oh, I'll come swimming with you." <laughs> now, now he must be terrified. Like, are you an idiot? Because things are going to be obvious, aren't they? <laughs> you know? But but Daphne pulls it off. I I, I love. I guess this. they're you little skirt areas. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a bathing suit. And Sugar goes, neither do I. They rent, I. That was weird to me. They rent them down at the bathhouse. When, when she said, neither do I, I thought, what, skinny dipping? Well, that the jig is up there then. Yeah. But no, I don't think I like the idea of renting bathing suits. Though. That, that would be out. But, so uh, they leave to go swimming, and then we find out what Joe's plan is, which is. Yes. Now, I don't know why Beanstalk has that particular attire, but. <laughs> the captain's hat and this blazer with the with the I don't know ridiculous patch with I don't know what that is his his family arms family or crest or whatever family crest seersucker trousers <laughs> but, but he looks like you know yacht man 
you know, captain of a yacht man. He does. And and so while the while the ladies are out frolicking, you know, with great mirth in the water, and then they decide to play a beach ball throw game. What's the little chant they say? Oh my One, god. One, two, three. Does he fancy me? I don't know, something like that. Oh my god, it's so funny. It's yeah. really funny watching Jack Lemon in the water, um, prancing around and fully inhabiting Daphne. Fully inhabits her. He's so comfortable in his skin and <laughs> just just happy. And now <laughs> Josephine is back to Joe. He's Joe now. I think he keeps Joe. No, no. Now he's Junior. He's Junior, basically. He's Junior. He, if I, what are those chairs called? I think of it as the Morticia chair. Those oh, high-backed, some sort of wicker, rattan type of. Uh, but but it has kind of a, a a top to it, so the sun, so you're out of the sun. Yes. It's rounded on the top. He makes sure he gets right in the line of sight for these for, for that group of ladies, and in particular, Sugar Cane, and he kicks some child out of the way, <laughs> very unceremoniously, and sits down with his uh, his Wall Street Journal. And the ball goes out of bounds, of course, and Sugar Cane goes running after it, and Junior, now Junior, we'll find out, trips her. And, and that's a great way to, to meet her, right? Okay. It is, and, but I got mad. I'm like, you're being a creep again. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. He's being a total creep because he has the checklist. He knows exactly. So he's put on the glasses that she likes. He, she wanted him to have a yacht and read the Wall Street Journal and be a millionaire and also be um, not a creep. So he acts very disinterested. You know, he's just prissy and disinterested. And they talk about the stocks in 1929. I know. It's <laughs> How they're going funny. up, 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 up. And she she does a good job of countering with her own false story. Like, oh, yes, at Bread Mar, we did this and that. And Which is also a, a, a kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke. About Bryn Mawr, yeah. and uh, at one point, um, Daphne is 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 going. Come on, we're gonna gotta go change for dinner, and uh, I think Sugar says she's a Vassar girl. So, and there's always inside jokes about all girls' colleges and yes. their sexuality. So I, I do think that's a joke there too, <laughs> and uh, and I love the double take. Yeah, you know, yes. Daphne does a double take like. Well, now you're I see not what you're really going to do this, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you, you asshole. <laughs> but um, but also this is uh, we, we have to mention that Junior, Tony Curtis now is Junior, is completely channeling Cary Grant's voice. It really I don't know if it's a good or a bad uh, impression of Cary Grant, but there, there's there's jokes in in the film yeah. about nobody talks like that. Yeah. <laughs> Daphne's yeah. no one talks like that. And that's been sort of the the complaint about Cary Grant or was the complaint like what what the hell kind of accent even is that? I don't know what I can do for you. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do Cary Grant. Nobody weird, can do Cary. That weird. Love Cary Grant. Don't make fun of his accent. I do too, but but he apparently approved of the film. And, okay. and the impersonation, and was said to have said, said to have said, is that a thing? I don't talk like that. You know, I don't talk like that. Please cut that. I don't talk like that. <laughs> I don't talk like that. So, um, so yeah. yes, uh, I collect shells. But, but, but here's a problem. So Daphne wants to trip him up, and she said, "Well, 
I guess we're all going to meet for something or other, which means that somehow Junior slash Josephine has to get back up to the hotel room in time, and Daphne doesn't think he'll be able to do that. Yeah, they, lo and behold. yeah. D Daphne sort of in tells Sugar, let, let, let's go run and tell Josephine that you met a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's that sort of, uh, you know, the jig is up for you. Let's see if you can. You know, it's, <laughs> so you've got a little competition going on between Daphne and, and Junior now. I don't know how he would have done that, but he gets up to the room and, and jumps into the bathtub just in time for them to enter. Yeah, he's in the bathtub. Sugar leaves. We get the phone call, really, from um, from Osgood, yes. don't we? Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah. so, so here begins a kind of another inside comedy of errors where you have, the, you know, the fake junior uh, masquerading for sugar cane. And then you have Osgood angling for Daphne. And then you have Daphne sort of relenting and saying, okay, because Osgood happens to own the yacht. The, what's it called? The New Caledonia? New Caledonia. And well, let's call him Joe now is appealing to Jerry, come on, this is my chance. So can you please take on Osgood? And, and Daphne complies, right? And they decide they're going to go tango dancing. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't implore him or beg him. He's like, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> Before the evening ensues, yes, <laughs> there's a phone call shipped ashore <laughs> for <laughs> Daphne. But I, I love that Josephine, uh, Tony Curtis, takes the phone call. Joe takes the phone call. She's not yes. available. <laughs> what? What? But but he okay. gets some vital information, doesn't yes. he? About yes. How to... I want her to join me on my yacht after her show. Yes. Da -da. For some cold pheasant. <laughs> Champagne. <laughs> Champagne, yes. And he hangs up. And, and he finds out the name of the yacht and yep. what he needs to do and the little shuttle to get there, my, everything. My, my dinghy, my little motorboat, I'm going to take take yeah. back out there. And yeah. and he tells he tells uh Jerry, he's like this is what you're this is what you're going to do. And so I'm like he's yeah. still being an asshole. I don't like him. He is. He's very domineering. And uh, so, then and, and even more so if you consider that Daphne is fully Daphne at this point, and he's manhandling her on yeah. top of everyone else. Yeah. We cut to uh, the the bandstand, and she's doing the song "I Want to Be Loved by You." I want to be loved by Breathy. Love. She has a nice rendition of every song she does. Yeah, there's a, it's there, nice. There's a quality about singing, uh, phrasing, how yes. a singer delivers a song. And I think she had, had a real talent for it. I think so, too. I mean, it's not Marie Calais, or, you know, but it, but it is, it's beautifully delivered. Yes. And, and engaged. I, I love it. And I love and uh, and there's there's a there's a question because she wonders if Junior, who who hinted that he might be at the performance, and of course he's playing the the uh, the sax, might be there. But Osgood is is in the audience, waving away at Daphne and delighted <laughs> by the performance, and sends an obscenely huge bouquet yes. up to the bandstand. Right. But this is perfect because. Because Josephine slash Junior slash Joe, he's got a lot of identities going on there, uh, decides to write a quick note. 
saying he, he, he had it already written. He, t- he takes the card out, yeah. pulls one out, <laughs> stuffs it in there. They're they're on a break, or and Josephine's like, oh, these came for you. So yeah. So now she knows that okay, Junior didn't show, but he sent me these this bouquet of flowers, yeah. and he wants to meet me on his yacht. Oh my God. Yes. She's delighted. He's delighted. Daphne is now scandalized because that bouquet was for her. Yes. She's upset. <laughs> yes. My girl's upset. That yes. bouquet was for her. But she has but, her marching but, orders from Josephine. But but Josephine slash Junior now really has to hustle if he wants to get out of his outfit and into the Junior outfit and over to the dock and the motorboat before Sugar King can get there. I love how um, Sweet Sue signs off because we find out um, as she's signing off the the band, one o'clock in the morning. So it's late, late, yeah. late. Yeah. And she's like, all my girls are virtuoso and I intend to keep it that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the double, double entendre there. And it, it's all very tongue in cheek and, and really delightful. Um, Josephine slash junior now, junior, I'll say, uh, tells Daphne, no way y'all can go to the boat, to the boat, tell him anything. And so Daphne tells Osgood, I, I, I don't know, I can't, I'll, I'll feel seasick. And he, without missing a beat, he says, well, let's go tango in front of the blindfolded Cuban band. Is that well, a that, thing? <laughs> what is I, that? I, when you mentioned that, I was like, he, he says, there's a roadhouse, there's a little roadhouse, the great Cuban and band. And I thought that was going to be a raunchy roadhouse. We can tango there. Yeah. And she agrees. But then we're back on the boat, and yeah. um, Junior clearly doesn't know where anything is on this yacht. He doesn't even know how to yes. drive the boat, out, the motorboat out there. But he has learned from Osgood that you can give your your staff shore leave or whatever. So he uses that as an excuse. Oh, I'm at odds with uh, my my staff here. Let's see where they placed the anything. <laughs> oh, that's a closet. Oh, oh yes, of course, lots of closet room here. And she asks something like, "What's the difference between um, port and starboard?" Or something like that, and he says, "Well, it depends on which way you're facing." <laughs> just the, doesn't know anything. The script is amazing. It's so yeah. quick. The jokes, it's hilarious. Come, like quick and fast, and you have to yes. kind of just keep up with it. And we get the whole ploy. Joe's ploy is, yes. "I'm going to entice her by not being the pawing maniac," yes. and and some of the language he uses about mm. how. Uh, you know, women just kind of leave me cold. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, but but she doesn't go where you would in these days. She says, well, what happened? And he says something about psychological trauma that has left him impotent. Does he say impotent? Impotent. She frigid. wore glasses. I wore glasses. We were. What, wait, what happened we were, there? I can't remember. We were on the, st- standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Something. She wore glasses. I, we took our glasses off. I took a step towards her. She took a step towards me. And <laughs> just her gestures. Eight hours later, they brought her up by mule. I gave her a blood donation. We were both the same type. Type of. Type I love how that would help a fall down the top. <laughs> and he's sitting there, like, eating a cold pheasant leg. Cranberries or mint sauce? Yes. <laughs> 
champagne. Uh, but looking at all the silver trophies, and he says, "Yes, yes, for everything, water polo." Yeah. He, he's he's demure. He's playing sort of the asexual or uh, queer character. He mentions that you know, my family's tried everything. They had Balinese dances. I had <laughs> <laughs> what was it? French maids. You know, they're trying to fix his uh, impotency issue. Yes. And nothing, injections. Nothing uh, injections mineral, of what? Mineral baths. Mineral but, baths. <laughs> but everything that he lists as far – when he goes down that, like injections, mineral baths, there was something else. Therapists spent yeah. spent uh, time on the couch with Freud. Yeah, um, I love <laughs> that. Those are all – those were all the uh, prescribed cures, quote, unquote yeah. – for yeah. homosexuality, you just haven't found the right person yet. So, uh, but this emboldens Sugarcane, and she takes on a more traditionally masculine, aggressive sexual role to to try to sway him. A glass of champagne, have another, and you hear those lines. Yeah. You know that that men give women have some more alcohol. It'll loosen you up. Have some more alcohol, and she's she's doing that to him now. Yes, she but not a salt, steamy kiss. Yes, but not without consent. She asks him, "Can I try? Can I try?" Yes, that's May true. I try? She does. She does ask. That's a big point. And she really gives him a beautiful kiss and looks at him and he says, "No, I, I felt nothing." <laughs> he's being really cruel. I think. <laughs> he's, he's, no, nothing. But he says he feels nothing, and then she. She she's like maybe more champagne, so she goes and gets the champagne, and he's loosening his tie like whole oh boy. You better put something on your on your crotchal area there. Uh, yes, Junior. But, <laughs> bring me uh, some ice. <laughs> bring me some ice oh, for your yeah. glass. No, for my crotch. While this is going on, and, and what do you call this kind of editing where it sort of oh, swoops? It's just a quick fast. cut to a completely different scene, and I don't know what. But the, it's almost like a like a flash cut I or something. A flash cut, yeah. By the way, they, they had lots of training. The uh, What is his name? Um, Joey Brown, who plays Osgood. And, um, Who's wonderful. And I think he was queer in, in real life. I do think he was. I, I don't know about his – but he was uh, you know, quite a phenom in showbiz and then had a hiatus, and Some Like It Hot brought him back and, and really gave him one of the most famous you know, bits in cinematic history. So, so bravo for that casting. And they are fantastic, aren't they? They're dancing, and he very politely says, "You're leading, Daphne. You're leading again." <laughs> she's, oh, sorry. Beautiful posture. They're they're dancing classic uh, tango. Yeah. And at the at this point, though, the band is not wearing blindfolds. <laughs> No, so what does this mean? It's getting raunchier and raunchier. So I, I kind of think to that protect that's what that the means. lady's modesty, so, you must blindfold so what? Flip back to the boat, and and Sugar is he's, she's trying, she's trying, and he's, I might have felt a tingling in my toes. Um, <laughs> that was that was a good impersonation. She goes, oh, your your glasses are steaming, and then we we flip back again, right? There's that flash cut yeah. again over yeah. to, yeah. and now they're. I love the I love the flower one because yes, Daphne has the, the flower in her teeth and it's yes. choreographed so perfectly. They turn and He's got Osgood <laughs> leans – all you see is Osgood sort of lean his cheek over to mm -hmm. her and then turns elegantly. Just, they're just dancing so beautifully and so elegantly, and then he's got the, 
the flower in his and teeth. That's a kiss exchange. You know it, it is. is. So. It is. It's so – it's done so beautifully. You're just mesmerized yes. by watching. Yes. They're delightful to watch. They are. And then they flip back to the boat. There's been a breakthrough, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never thought it possible that I could feel this way. And, and who do I owe this to? And she said, well, I, I, I gave a lot of kisses for the milk fund. So I'm assuming what, <laughs> World War I? <laughs> milk fund or something i know i must donate a hundred thousand dollars to the milk fund um, <laughs> tomorrow break out my checkbook they have had a romantic breakthrough the two of them yes yes it, it really is a saucy scene yeah or all those kiss scenes are, are they aren't hollywood kisses like you know they seem intimate she has like this, Marilyn knows how to kiss a, a person. There's something really sensuous about the way she wraps her arms and in, in her 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 bosom is is sort yes. of just like right there. And just, she's wearing quite the dress for for this. Let's scene. talk about the dresses. We need to talk about <laughs> these dresses. The, the dress now now who was the Oreo shoot? I had the uh, the costume designer who did win the the Oscar for costume. Deservedly designer. so. <laughs> So this is a I don't know the backside plunges near the the buttock line and the front is a plunging uh, neckline too with just enough material to maybe her breasts top off the... appear to be sewn into the dress or <laughs> and I did read she actually was sewn into that dress form fitted her each breast appears to have been lovingly sewn in. <laughs> <laughs> to that dress on each side. There is no foundation wear to be seen. There's there's nothing, <laughs> and it is a a, a nude skin toned yes. fabric, and in black yes. and white, it appears yes. that she may not have really anything on, but just sort of um there there's like Almost sequin like pasties or something. Yes, it has you this know, sequin a, effect that that this 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 sequins covering her. Her areola. It would be racy <laughs> by today's standards. Okay, racy by today's standards. Beautiful. Yeah. I don't and, know. and I did hear that she wore something similar for the infamous JFK birthday song. I don't know why when I watched it the first time that I didn't notice the dress. I just was kind of soaking in the whole frame. Yeah. That's but that second not. and third time I was just almost. And here's what's so wonderful about that. Is that all I saw was beauty, absolute yeah. perfection and beauty. It yes. wasn't, there was nothing sort of um, cheap or even, mm -mm. it was sexy, yes, the whole picture, but. It was feminine. It wasn't yeah, perfect. It, you know, it's how a woman's breasts. There was hang something not, not well salacious about it. Yeah. No, and it not was solicitous. It was just breasts ensconced perfectly in fabric and sequins. I don't know how yes. else to explain it. That did deserve the Academy Award. It, all it deserved two hundred Academy Awards. <laughs> it was it did. those because Quite. that wasn't the only dress that looked like that. Because she wears another dress. I think it's the she next does. Night. I think yeah. there's one one that's sort of black and one that's nude. Oh, and they're very similar and they're gorgeous, really gorgeous. Thing of beauty. I can't remember how they decide that they, I think Daphne and now Junior, 
both returned to their hotel, shared hotel room at the same time in well, the morning. My right? my favorite part is it's the last the last sort of flash cut and we see Daphne is in the center of the dance floor. Everyone has left. It's just the yes. two of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Osgood is dancing in a in a sexy manner like around yeah. her in a circle. Yes. They're both intoxicated. We don't know with love, with rum, who knows. Osgood's on cloud nine and, and so is Daphne. And so is Daphne. That's when you see that the band has no has the blindfolds on, and I'm like, okay. Yes. Okay. Now, what is the reason there? I guess to protect the woman's identity. I don't know. What. To put, but, um, yeah. Put your blindfolds on. But I do on. know that the tango, if you if you go down that rabbit hole, I don't know a lot about it, but I do know with the origins of the dance, it was a male to male dance. Oh, I did not know that. It was two men. Oh. Yeah. There's a whole rabbit hole for that, and uh, and and lots oh, of censorship is- for that because it was considered really risque, right? And then we cut to the hotel room, and Daphne gets there first, and she's lying in bed fully dressed, but she has her maracas, I think, or, or, and, and she's just shaking and over the moon happy and still da, 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 thinking of the dance and Osgood. And then Junior slash Josephine slash Joe climbs in through the window or something. I don't know. How does he come in? He does. But, he uh, comes through the window. I, I thought that was – you had mentioned something about um, – that we think that Tony Curtis was doing that climbing <laughs> because the camera yeah, stays on him. Though. And he says, what's up with you? And she says, I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Yeah, and, and shaking the And rock. Junior says, who's the lucky girl? And Daphne says, I am. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> and it's the double take, like, what? what? <laughs> and then we have the repeating this time of, I'm a boy, I'm a boy, I'm a boy. And... and Junior slash Joe gives the equivalent of a, a slap on the face and snap out of it and says, you're a boy, you're a boy, you're a boy. And she very unconvincingly repeats back, I'm a boy, I'm a boy, I'm a boy. Oh, boy, <laughs> I'm a boy. boy but I'm what am boy. I going to do with the my engagement present? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Daphne slash Jerry is just so – he's just delighted. He's yes. going to get married. <laughs> Yes. I'm absolutely delighted. And been um, wined and dined and romanced and this Osgood is smitten and And e- even you know. though he says like I'm gonna tell of course I'm gonna tell him. I'm I'm gonna wait till after the ceremony and, and then I'll I'll get the alimony checks. And I, maybe there's a little extortion involved in there because like who would want that publicly yeah. acknowledged? He's so happy that you kinda think yeah. that okay. Uh, where where are we going with this, Jerry? <laughs> Wait, what does what does Joe say? It, he says something that isn't really like that's not allowed. Or yeah. how does he say it? First he says, "Why would a guy want to marry a guy?" He that that's what yes. Joe Joe says, and then uh, Daphne goes, Jerry goes, "Security." <laughs> the dialogue yeah. is so funny. I but, I love that, and that's perfect because he's owning that. But he's owning Daphne. Joseph says, he says, there are laws, conventions. It's just not being done. There it is. Laws and conventions. It's not being done. Perfect. What I love about that is there is no homophobia there. There's no no homophobia with Joseph. He's like, but it's against the law. It's just like a traffic law. It could be any kind of law. It's it's just no judgment there. No judgment. It's like, I don't think you can do, I don't think you can get away with that, Jerry. (laughs) That's all he's saying. (laughs) 
He's not saying, oh, my God, you're gay. You shouldn't. But just the reaction is priceless. So good. So now, though, things are going swimmingly, right? But, oh, no. The um the Friends of the Italian Opera Convention <laughs> descends on on the Seminole Ritz, and this is of course a, a front for the for the mob, right? And different families within the mob. They head down the elevator, and I'm not sure what they're are they going to play or going to dinner. About the mobsters, they spot Spats. Yes. And and his his cronies. Yes. And they're on the elevators, and then yes. two of Two of Spatz's cronies are trying to flirt with them, yeah. And they want the room number, and it, somehow they get the room number. And once they I get think up she to the has room, the key or something on her dress, somehow just pinned. It's Jerry and Joe get back up to the room. They're like, "We got to get the get the hell out of here. We got to get out of here." Yeah. yeah, we are dead if they find out if they recognize it. And I think they say something unwise in the elevator like have you i think i know one of the guys says i think i know you have you ever been to chicago and josephine says i wouldn't be caught dead in chicago well that bad line to tell them because they do remember that i think it doesn't dawn on them immediately but i do think spats kind of it, it does something jog something two. something going on with those two um jerry's perspective they're going to take that diamond bracelet and at yeah. least with those diamonds they can make an escape yeah, and get to mexico home. something just get <clears throat> Fiend wants to say goodbye to sugar so gets yes. on the phone shipped ashore yep and there's the big speech darling yes. he <laughs> <laughs> basically tells her there's a big merger going on in venezuela and some sort of arranged marriage and uh, and that he's he's very sorry and he does see the the diamond bracelet that Osgood had given Daphne, and uh, and also an orchid that he had given her, <laughs> and and says, "Did you at least get my my gift?" And and just deftly slides it across the uh, the hallway um, to the front of her door from his door, and and she picks it up, and and she she's looking at the diamond bracelet and says, "Wow, real diamonds," and. She's saying all of the gracious things, I understand, and that's too bad, but her pathos is really coming through. Yeah. Her heartbreak is really coming through, and that's some good acting. It, I believe her. Yeah, it is. The dialogue isn't um, sentimental, but she, her performance okay. certainly is, and I think it yeah. just sort of ele- kind of elevates the whole movie. And Tony Curtis's now, performance kind of—they—they they all do. Their contribution. You know that he feels like an absolute heel. He has just led her on with a complete set of lies and has now broken her heart. And well, and he also he's on the run. I don't. I don't think he. I think because this is. I was like, I'm still hating him. I'm still hating him. <laughs> and uh, Sugar comes through the door and she's like, "You got any alcohol?" And <laughs> You know, she basically wants to drink her sorrows, and so they 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 bust out the uh, water bottle, and then uh, D- Daphne notices the bracelet, and yeah. and she's so understanding, so forgiving, and Daphne is like, "You should take that bracelet and throw it back in his face," and just kind of glaring <laughs> at 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 Joe, Josephine, and. 
I don't think at this point that that Josephine Joe understands how much he's hurt her. I think he has sort of he feels bad, but then when he sees that's like, been his way of life. But he's seeing it through all kinds of eyes now. Yes, he is. He's having second thoughts. Eyes, yeah. When you know when he's sitting there like watching her starting to you know. But at the same time, their lives are at risk. That's true. They're dead if these mobsters know. So, so they make their excuses to to poor sugar cane, and then they decide to what climb down from the second story. Past yeah, they, to the to the ground and escape. Yeah, he goes. I don't. Uh, Joe goes. I don't want to go through the lobby or through the and through risk. the halls because uh, his chums might still be around. So they go down, and as they're climbing down, you see. Um, Spats Colombo in his his room with his cronies, yeah. and <laughs> one of the big thugs goes, "Hey, it's those dames again." <laughs> the one that's not wait not a too minute. Bright. That's not those dames. That's the look at the instruments. It's those yes. two guys. And they open the um the base case, and there it's riddled with bullet holes, which I did not see during the performance, but perhaps it was. <laughs> Um, but yes, that confirms that those are those, and th- and then we have some great physical runaround and chasing. Yeah, a great the the madcap caper chase scene, in yes. and out of the, the hotel. In heels. Yes. In heels, people, physical and running and hiding, and finally they end up in a conference room where the um, Society for Italian Opera slash the Mob <laughs> families are going to meet, and they hide under the banquet tables. Meantime. We we get a cut back to a kitchen scene, and you'll have to explain these cakes to me because it's not just for this movie. The, the, these pop out cakes. Yeah, I guess I a understand. party cake or something. But it's made of real cake, but somehow it survives somebody jumping out of it. I don't know. Uh, maybe but there's they plant, cake on the I think it's is that Edward G. Robinson doing the uh, Edward, Johnny Paradise. They, uh, Edward G. Robinson is the one who pops out of the cake, and he's going to take down uh, Spats and his crew. Yeah, George, uh, George Raft, who who was um, G. Scarface, Robinson, not the uh, Pacino, but the yeah. you know 1932 Scarface. Uh, Violent. It was super. Really made me think of The Godfather. You see this <laughs> madcap chase through the lobby, in through the you know in through one set of doors. And these doors are low camera the, angles. Right, and so um, getting those feet, those heels. You can you really uh, because of the the shortness of the the pants. <laughs> For Jack Lemon's pants, you can really see his heels really well, and he, they slide into that banquet banquet hall or banquet room. Yeah. Duck underneath the table. This, this meeting is taking place, sort of like uh, uh, was it the Apple the Appalachian meeting in New York, where all those mobsters got busted. No, this predates The Godfather. It just made me think of the families meeting to settle the score after Sonny is shot down. Appalachian meeting, A-P-A-L-A-C-H-I-N. And it was... Well, take, a, tell his, us about that. I don't well, no, it was the historic summit, says here, of the American mafia held at the home of mobster Joseph Joe the Barber, Barbera. Okay. In Appalachian, New York. And the feds found out about it, and they, they almost busted a bunch of uh, mobsters there. But it okay. was the first time that they, they our federal government had sort of like proof that there was organized crime and they were meeting ah. at this level. And yeah. Hence the line. Okay. Um, so, 
the the captain of police or whatever he is comes in and little Napoleon says, what, are you going to make a federal case out of this? Yeah. And and I didn't get that yeah. because obviously he he felt they wouldn't. And, and so, yes, they were. He says, as a matter of fact, yes. Yes. And so, uh, but we, we missed the most important part, which is what? Uh, well, Edward G. Robinson Jr. gets wheeled in in the cake. Now they're hiding. <laughs> Joe, Joe and Jerry are hiding underneath that table. It just so happens that they're hiding right where Spats is because we see people walking in and yeah. uh, there are shoes with Spats on them right by where yeah. they are. <laughs> <clears throat> what we don't know is that, um, and we find out in, in this little exposition that, that Napoleon little napoleon says which is he was friends with charlie toothpick the guy that yes. owned the garage and he's mm. very upset that he's dead and he knows yeah. who killed him yeah and uh so the case that's in his crew are deadpan i really get a michael corleone i know that yeah. after but that vibe he gets is just steely stone faced real mob so they wheel in the cake and he's like it's not my birthday well what's a few months right <laughs> Yeah. And I was wondering, like, exactly what is going to happen? Yeah. You know, where where is that machine going to go? And yeah, I didn't know at first if that was Spat's uh, gig. You know, his 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 thing setup. That he yeah. was going to do his setup or the other guys. Because they're talking about it. He's talking about taking over for Napoleon in in his uh, hotel room. Yeah, but in fact, it, he names him. So what's the? I don't know. It, but, it, but that's the uh, the the mafia kiss, right? Goodbye. And it just, yeah, it just so happens that nope, Napoleon's gonna make sure he takes him out because he rubbed out my friend. Yeah. And they they run and, and Napoleon doesn't care. He's like, get those guys because they were witnesses. Doesn't still doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> still but gotta get. Deus ex machina. The you know the law arrives. Yes. The, but the the henchmen are still looking for them. And here's the great the great thing is. Because uh, Josephine Joe is really good at thinking on her, his feet, which yeah. is, you're calling Osgood. <laughs> yeah. You're eloping. I love that. You're going to elope yes. with Osgood. That's how yes. we're getting out of this. Yes. So so they all haul to the, uh, I think the, the three of them, and then, and somehow, well, um, we're, mi we're missing. oh no, we missed a really important. Really, yes. really important scene. So yes. while. Yes. While Daphne is get, trying to get a hold of Osgood to officially accept the proposal, mm -hmm. we hear singing, and, and it's, it's quite the torch song. Yeah, it's quite the torch. What is the name? I don't know the piece. Do you? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. That was one of those I should have looked up. Yeah, she sings three, right? Um, yeah, I'm three with love. Yeah, she sings a song. I'm through with love. Really heartfelt and moving performance. It's beautiful. It's it it is a torch torchy type song, and she does a lovely job with it. And he they when they were trying to escape, they're dressed in in their in in their Josephine and Daphne outfits. Yeah. So when when Josephine tells Daphne, "You're telling Osgood to get get the yacht ready. We're leaving." Right. Yes. And Josephine is sitting in the lobby and hears that music and just is drawn to the music and is in in the uh, the you know the the dining whatever it is the club. He goes into 
into the club room. He wa starts walking down the stairs. He's watching this performance. His heart has melted mm -hmm. watching this. He sees her heartbreak. Is that me making that noise? I don't Did know. You but go on. You're um, doing great. Wait, wait. Um, and uh, he just, as she's singing, walks up to her and and just kisses her full on the embraces her and gives her a full kiss and she kisses back and she doesn't know who this is uh, she knows this is josephine right her friend josephine well it's reciprocated though it is reciprocated joseph josephine walks up and she's she walks up and she goes oh sugar he's not worth it her head is yeah. uh, uh sugar's head is just bowed because she not only does she deliver this song beautifully but she's yeah. got tears streaming down her face. She, her heart is broken, yeah. and she, she's uh, humiliated. Her heart's broken, and just yes. So she doesn't even open her eyes when, um, when Josephine like says, "Oh, you know, he's not worth it," and then kisses her, and then she opens yeah. her eyes and goes, "Josephine!" Like it's just like, "Oh my gosh!" But I love the, it, I love the reaction by Sweet Sue, Beanstalk. Like now we have lesbians <laughs> yes. to deal with. <laughs> like you know Sue with an all girl. Yeah, Sue with an all girl band. <laughs> we know what you're up to. <laughs> so wait, how do we do we get a scene change? Uh we get running mad running yes. to the dock with the little shuttle motorboat and uh and very quickly Daphne says, This is gonna be my maid of honor, this is Josephine. And then straggling along, but running for all her life in those heels. Also, Marilyn is making her way to the shuttle and says, wait, wait. Uh, well, she does the bicycle that... up to up to a point. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's in, on right. the bicycle. And um, I think that's her. I don't think that's a double or any. I think a, what's impressive about this film is there's a there's a lot of physicality just besides the, the physical. And, yeah. uh, yes. you know, like we we talk about the body inhabiting the body the role yeah. you know the body inhabiting the role but um we see tony curtis do some cool stuff we see uh i think marilyn monroe is riding that bicycle and hopping off and running up those yeah. steps at the pier and also owning the stage when she's singing she's working the room and she's you know you you think of her as very voluptuous almost to a point that's by today's standards almost not acceptable but so beautifully graceful and, the uh, dance on the train is is fantastic. I thought the way yes. she's moving on the train, rhythmically, yeah. um, but but jazzy. Uh, um, yeah. I thought it was really good. And and then of course Jack Jack Lemon with the dance, the tango. My God, <laughs> in running in heels, it's fantastic. I, I fell in love with Jack. Well, I already had fallen in love watching The Apartment, which is a year later than this one. But just just doubled down my love for him and so they're on the motorboat and i think first we get a resolution with with um he's back to joe now joe and marilyn he, he apologizes and she says i don't care i still love you so she's not as shallow as just i i want money and security she she's fallen in love and uh, i think it's a little too quick you know he deserves <laughs> a little bit of a reprimand there yeah i mean he, he well he does say Joe says to Sugar, he's like, I'm everything that you should have nothing to do with. And yeah. she's like, I know. Keep going. Keep going. Maybe in her mind, it's like, it's okay because you're the, you're the saxophone player.
player that I've been waiting for. Maybe yes. that, that 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 yes. was meant for me. So I yes. kind of I kind of so, caught that vibe, and I hated him less. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. no, when when he kissed her, I thought that's he's yes. just. It, it was more, you know, on the phone. I'm like disappointed that he's just yeah. breaking up and he's being so right about and- it making his excuses and breaking her heart yes. but he's really but, moved when he hear and he walks up and goes oh he's he's just not worth it sugar yeah i'm not worth it's it not. and then he there's that real that's what he's saying you're right i'm not worth it yeah is what he's saying so yeah i think it's yeah. a good resolution for the time limit that they have in the- <laughs> yes so then we go to the front seat and that's where osgood is driving this um the little motorboat that gets the yacht and Daphne's beside him and he's just over the moon saying you can wear my mother's wedding dress and Daphne says no I can't wear that we're a different size and and he says that's okay we'll do we'll recut it and Daphne is making every excuse not to marry him yeah and says I smoke I um you, you know everything everything possible I lived with a saxophone player in- for three years <laughs> I forgive yes. you um <laughs> I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And finally, with great frustration, uh, Daphne takes off the wig and says, I'm a man. And then what? The famous line. Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. With that shed-eating grin on his face. Uh, the end. And and, and I like I like the, the Jack Lemmon reaction, which is sort of like confused, but not uh, there's no harumphing there's no frustration it's just sort of like stun (laughs) yeah maybe maybe i haven't thought about this (laughs) (laughs) it's just like does he look back with the deadpan i'm thinking i think he does he does do the look back with the deadpan and uh the line nobody's perfect i i love that it has so much meaning I do know that Diamond and Wilder weren't crazy about it. They thought that's that's no way to end. I don't know. I don't know how we feel about this because they were such perfectionists. But then the test audience, they loved roared. It. They loved they loved it. So so they left it. And nobody uh, nobody knows who wrote that line. Was it Diamond or Wilder? But but what a an amazingly forward thinking film today a, tr- a tremendously forward-thinking film didn't really get into the whole history of the the haze too much it it yeah. was a way for the motion picture industry to sort of say hey we're we'll police ourselves with this uh retired presbyterian minister and his uh, upright morals but we're also capitulating to the the catholic um what was it catholic decent league, league of, of decency, decency or whatever funny to me because i'm like i why were the catholics so obsessed with cinema yeah <laughs> i i do know this because my yeah. father would have been um a child growing up yeah. during this time yeah. and they had a ritual he and he and my grandmother and their yeah. ritual every sunday was the same essentially get up in the morning yeah. you don't eat before mass you go to mass yeah and then they probably like run home real quick, maybe grab half a sandwich, probably not. But they would go to the matinee on Sunday afternoon, and they'd spend the whole afternoon on Sunday sitting Aww. in the theater. I love that. And then come and be that. home by like dinner was their thing. So maybe that was a ritual for 
because I forget how many Catholic uh, the Catholic Church was really and the membership and high in these days. And I guess it depended on which state. I know that Kansas outright refused to have yeah. a showing. Yeah. Um, and and I think California might have been one of all places. No. I don't want to say uh, membership, you, but like the 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 number of practicing Catholics, I think, in yeah. this era was was pretty enough in big 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 cities to make a a dent or make the papers at least but also launched or catapulted this film from you know possible obscurity to something immediately famous or infamous that people wanted to go see so thanks league of decency yeah it just yeah, sort of backfired on you didn't it yeah, yeah. fuckers lovely <laughs> <laughs> film lovely film i highly highly recommend this to anyone and um uh i do hope that this film is able to be shown in the future in in public spaces given the way some of these states are going these days i have uh i have thought about that apparently uh, like the way we were discussing this about the bans these ban laws that yeah. the language is so generalized and and really the um the grounds that they're they're pat the, it's so broad um, it's hidden under parental rights and and seems to be aimed at child welfare but there's so many I'm, other spheres of trespassing and overreach that it well one I'm shocked that uh, if you th- as authority why are we letting them get away with it because the language is very broad to where it can be contested in court to where you can you you probably could uh, town of you know wherever Wellington or whatever if you if you're yeah. doing movies on the green we were talking about this like in the summertime there's a lot yeah. of towns that sponsor yeah. like film movies uh, movies on the green or movies in the park or yeah. pop up drive-ins and um, I would say yeah I think you have a town should have enough cojones to say you know what we're gonna what we're gonna show some like it hot. It's one of the first 25 yep, films that we ever put in the National Registry. And it is and, and we're not just talking about some like it hot, are we? We're talking no. about centuries, centuries of tradition. Shakespeare for, for God's sake. Shakespeare for God's sake. And um Greek art, true artistic merit. Tragedy. It's, it's more than, you know, quote unquote identity politics. It is a true art form as well. Not okay. It's not okay to go in reverse because that's just one thing that I think Sam and I agree with as far as what do we get political about? We get political about stupid and yeah. <laughs> uninformed. Yeah. And it's just like you can't. And dangerous. I'm sorry, stupid and dangerous. Stupid, really dangerous. dangerous, uninformed, uneducated. I think it doesn't affect you because you don't happen to live in Florida or Montana or any well, other state what's going that on is in Montana really cracking right down. It does. Montana, Texas, Tennessee, and Florida are seeing who can outdo each other with being assholes right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you might want to throw Iowa in there too in in a civically responsible way. Bullies sometimes need to be punched in the nose in civically responsible ways. You have people who are being bullied into not having pride parades because they can't get what is the, the permit that they might need. Because of a particular persuasion of a particular town mayor or, no. or whatever their local government is, uh, all because of this really innocuous sounding 
what is it called? Parental Rights Act? Yeah. And, and the language mm. of these laws is so nebulous, really. And and that, I had pointed that out to you. I'm like, wait a minute. They're talking about ad, adult. What was, what was it? Anything appeared to be adult sexual. Adult venues where you really wouldn't. It, it really doesn't have to do with only LGBTQ. So, it's, it, it's just common sense. You wouldn't yeah. take your, your five-year-old to a midnight Bar scene why is the local town hall? Or, why are, you know? Why are there? Uh, why is it city of Boca or whatever? Wherever Twin Peaks is, why or wherever your local Hooters is? Why isn't their their town hall or their their county commission? Why or their police department? Why isn't their phone ringing off the hook about that? You know why is there yeah. a double standard? Not that oh, I want them to. Heterosexual? Because, you know. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. it's it's a it's it's an attack. It's an attack on a specific group of people. It's mean spirited. It's and, and it's also and it's um, also bullshit. religiously grounded in religion. And and where is separation of church and state here? I I'm not seeing it. You can when you can challenge the law at every turn because it's these ban laws are crap. And something everybody needs to remember is pride started out as a protest. So just remember that pride started out as a protest. So permit or no permit. And I, I'm seeing stuff on social media like LGBTQ or like moving out of Florida. Fuck that. No. No, you don't move this, out. This affects everybody you stay. in every sector. Yes. You you don't you don't abandon it so that it becomes that theocracy, that that fascist state. They want you, <laughs> you to hide. You they to want you to... As, to the point where you feel safe. <clears throat> Let me add that yeah. disclaimer there understand wanting to protect your children i do but if you're young and an adult and you can stand for yourself stand for yourself in these states you gotta do it yeah it's not gonna get i feel like sense anyhow if if you come from a family where it is a same-sex marriage what 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 are you supposed to do as a child in 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 that kind of environment hey i hate the 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 don't say gay thing because even that language is nebulous and it's like it's like um yeah. well is does that mean automatically mean that the the gay straight alliance um groups that are are sponsored by equality florida um that they can no longer exist well apparently they can but the way that these laws are written is they're trying to create opening in the law to where like if mountain somewhere in mount dora florida their high school doesn't want to have a gsa anymore then this kind of gives them the standing to go complain to the school board and say you need to get rid of that gsa because it's it's talking about being gay even though it may not be violating the law because it's sort of like an um an extracurricular group this seems so dangerous it's, to me. They're just trying. And, that's uh, a, it's you, a type of segregation. Like keep the gay in the cities, or keep the gay in Tampa, or keep the gay in Wilton Manors. Don't let it come to Mount Dora. And it's also hard Bullshit. leaning on 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 old fashioned theocracy. Yeah. I don't think there's any modern theocracy, but I guess this is modern theocracy. It has no place in our country, folks. Stand up for your your stand brothers and your, sisters. Stand up now. Stand up for yourself because they won't pro- stop here. Yeah, it's not going to stop a gay yeah. people. No, no, it's, it's creeping people. into literature and books being burned or banned, and other art forms, including cinema, and what's allowed to be shown and what's not allowed to be shown. Well, yes, there you go. it does affect all of us. Lots of straight people loved this movie. <laughs> yes. I bet a lot of first dates happened watching this movie. And this is all for a stump to gather a a vociferous 
constituency that is i don't know four standard deviations from the from the norm <laughs> just on the right wing of it just no happy pride everybody no we're <laughs> <laughs> We're, I'm really glad we did this film, and I I'm almost yeah. embarrassed that I gave it. It's not that I I heard it was a great film. It looked good, just never saw it start to finish all the way through. That seems to be the yeah. theme for me this year. I'm seeing all these films that like yeah. oh I've seen parts of it, but I've never watched it all the way through. I'm ordering a cut. I did stream it, um, and but now I would like a I'd like the extras now. I'd like to see the behind the scenes and all that good stuff. So I will be ordering that. I can. I can recommend it to everyone out there listening. It's just fantastic stuff. And also very timely. Very important. timely. Yeah. It's a smart film. Oh, my God. It's such a smart film. Yeah. And I think it uh, it tasks us to be smart about standing up for ourselves. Be smart. Be determined. Yes. And, and un- to look out at how complex human beings are. Yeah. They aren't one thing or another. Yeah. There are many things. And uh, we do have a great lineup for Pride, and we hope you'll stick with us. We hope you'll be inspired to watch the movie, Some Like It Hot. And uh, and we have some great stuff we're we're bringing forward uh, for next week as well. Yeah, do you want to mention the film we're going to do next week? Because I'm kind of excited about that. We're doing – I don't know if it's his first film, but it's a film that Ang Lee brought out in the early 90s called The Wedding Banquet. Yes. And uh, I've never seen – I haven't seen it since the 90s, and I'm so excited I found – uh, a, a platform that streams it. I think I found it on Vudu. Uh, bought it for four ninety nine, and we will have a very special guest for that for that episode as well. I'm excited. Yet another film that I have not seen, so I'm I'm very excited. Right. Welcome back, Sammy. Yeah. I gosh, I needed this. Now missed I you. To- totally refreshed. Everybody missed else you missed you. That was. That was a that was too long. A hiatus. Walking around. I'm sorry. Shrugging. No, but uh, you had you had <laughs> kicking stones and kicking, shit, <laughs> kicking stones and shit, not knowing what to do with myself. I'm so glad you're back. But um, I I'm also know that one you one string guitar, <laughs> strumming my diddly bow despondently. <laughs> um, for our listeners, she had some stuff going on and some professional stuff going on and deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. So it was uh, important stuff i had an opportunity to to make the money stuff and yeah and i don't know it seemed weird but i thought i should do it yeah making money bills <laughs> we were very thankful for uh like our last guest devin garten was wonderful and uh oh, Hopps, and rick and uh so we've we've had a really i've had a really good time with some of the folks yeah. that have come on to help out so appreciate it and just really lovely stuff if you, there's a movie you like that you want us to cover, contact us at celluloidpudding at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, celluloidpudding, P-U-D-D-N, and on Instagram at pudpod, P-U-D-D-P-O-D. You can get a hold of us there. Message us. We would love to hear from you. Tell us the movies you want us to do or a movie you might want to come on and uh, host with us. Sam, anything Welcome. to add? So grateful to have you out there. And we, we know we have an international presence, and we know that we have an obligation also. We love cinema, but we also are very aware of what's going on in the world. And we hope you're safe and happy and have a happy Pride Month and own that pride. And uh, be safe. Be kind to one another. Look out for one another. We love you. We do.
Good night. Night.